0: is sponsored in part by our RHAP patrons whom I love more than Tony loves big moves bro find out more about the benefits of becoming one of our patrons at robhasawebsite.com slash patron Coming to you live from my apartment, it's Rob Has a Podcast, and now here's the guy who's so excited to be talking Survivor with you guys once again, I almost pooped on myself, Rob Sestranino. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to our Thursday edition of Rob Has a Podcast. It's the most fun show of the week, that's right, because we are going to once again recap everything that happened on a very, very good season of Survivor Kagayan, because we had another big move from Tony, Team TV. He loves making exciting things for us to talk about, and so we're going to break it all down here today with one of our very fun guests that we love to talk to. Sophie G. Clark is going to be back here with us on Rob Has a Podcast. And then later on, I'm going to get into your voicemails with somebody who just got added to the Survivor Historians podcast, Mike Bloom, who's a lot of fun to to talk to so we're gonna have him coming up later answering your voicemails and listening to what the survivors had to say on social media of course last night survivor know-it-alls had a very very fun I might say it was the best know-it-alls of the season Stephen Fishback and I who have been on the same page for most of the season we actually disagreed on whether or not Tony made the right call to vote out LJ and Stephen was very very upset about the whole thing with LJ probably still is upset today you can check that out at RobHasAWebsite.com or watch the video on our YouTube channel at RobHasAWebsite.com slash YouTube. And then I was the one who got a chance to talk to LJ this morning and heard his exit interview. And I thought he actually gave Tony some props for the move that he made. And he actually said some things about how he he was actually going to be coming for Tony before too long. So I thought that actually made it even even better move what Tony did. So I like that even more than I did last night after hearing that conversation with L- And of course, you can hear that as well on RobHasAWebsite.com. All right, so you're locked in here. You're subscribed to the podcast, RobHasAWebsite.com slash iTunes, or however you want to subscribe. You can get all of our links if you click the podcast tab on RobHasAWebsite.com. Let's get into it. Okay, everybody. I am always excited when we get this person on the podcast to talk about Survivor with me. I've actually lost count if this is the third or fourth time that we've recapped an episode of Survivor together. Here she is. She is the winner of Survivor South Pacific, the one and only Sophie G. Clark.
1: Hey, Rob. What's up?
0: Sophie, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing really well. I just got back from the hospital. I'm sitting by my window. I'm I'm like so excited to talk about this episode. I've never been so excited about a season before. Why? What,
0: mean, what is it about Survivor Kagayan that you are so excited about?
1: Um, okay, so I feel like the viewers are kinda or at least your listeners are gonna hate me for this, but this is honestly the first season since I've been on that I haven't been spoiled. And now people are like gonna go back and listen to my old podcast and be like, ah, she guessed right, but she knew right. But really I haven't I like I haven't been unspoiled since my season. So I think a lot of that it is just being not knowing what's going to happen from week to week. And I literally have been wrong every single week. This week I texted somebody saying, oh, it's going to be a pogong for this whole post-merge. And then I was surprised again. So I think just like not being spoiled, I'm brought back to my childhood of like going on hikes and, and trying to figure out who's going to win. I have I like started this whole scoring system yesterday, trying to figure out like how many points each person gets. I'm convinced I can figure out who can win. I've just... I look forward to Wednesdays. It's like the highlight of my week again, which is never, I mean, it hasn't been the highlight of my week for a long time.
0: It's so, so. much more fun. I don't know oh. why anybody ever seeks out the spoilers. I don't know why people want to know so badly. It's so much uh, more
1: fun to not know. I am never going to seek the mega out again. I don't think I ever really sought them out. I think I was kind of, I don't know, I heard talk or something. But I am so actively trying to avoid spoilers now. I don't go out on any websites. I So I, I'm really eager to like watch all the secret scenes, but I won't read any interviews Cause I started reading one interview once and I just felt like the people who are in the jury, it doesn't matter what they say, who they think is going to win. Even if they're not telling the truth, I feel like I can tell if they're trying to fool me. And so I can't listen to any of the, you know, the kicked off interviewers. I listened to the Parvati's after show, sorry, but I put it on mute just because I want to see the secret scene in advance. Um, but I'm, I'm just so anal about spoilers right now.
0: Yeah. It's, so much it's hard. It's hard. It's a, oh. a tough thing. Uh, if you it's want, so to hard.
1: even like Jeff tweeting, I feel like I can. I know Jeff so well that I know the kind of things he would tweet if he liked somebody he wanted them to win. I just can't. I have to avoid everything right now.
0: Wow, you're so hardcore. It's
1: so, fun. it's so much fun, though. All
0: right, if you want to check out the video of this interview with Sophie, we're doing this on a Google Hangout, so I get to see Sophie. And if you want to see the video of this, I'm going to have that up on RobHasAWebsite.com as well. You can go to website.com slash YouTube to see all of the videos on our channel. So, Alright, so let's get into this. And of course, this was a huge move last night. Uh, this really crazy thing that happened and everybody has an opinion on it. So Sophie, let me start here and find out what your take is on Tony's decision to flip on his group of six.
1: Okay, I just need to recap a little bit. Tony flipped on his like original group of six and now he's with Woo. Wu- and the, the, two, the two brains, Tasha and Spencer and, um, and Jeremiah,
0: right? Well, I don't know if it's clear to say that he's with them. He certainly voted right. with them last night. So well, the so- vote was the three people that were left over from the, uh, the new Apari, which was Spencer, Tasha, and Jeremiah. And then not only Tony, but also Wu also joined him to vote out LJ.
1: I mean, I have to say, okay, so I love Tony, and I think Tony's move was right, and I think it was right for a couple reasons. So I think it was right for him, because as a player, Tony is somebody who I think can only play offense. He has to be the one making the moves. And if he does that, he's successful. um, And he's going to stay ahead of the curve. I'm not sure how good Tony would be playing defense. So I feel like Tony's best strategy is always to make the move, always to keep moving and always to control the pace of the game. So he's like a shark.
0: If he stops moving, he dies.
1: Is that what, is that what sharks do? No, that's not even true. But yes, he's like a shark. He's like Tony is like a shark. I just think that he has this way about him. He can, can he, the way he lies is so blunt and so absurd. It's just like flat out lies. There's no truth to any of them. That they're so they're so false that they seem true to people. And so I think that the only way that he can the only way he can stay in the game is to keep doing this, keep making the most absurd lies, because that's when people believe him. Keep flipping the game. I think the minute he lets other people take reign of the game, they're going to get him out. Um, And then I think the other reason it's an okay move, not just because it goes with the way Tony should play, um, but it's also a good move because... It makes sense in this game. Like, this is a game that's had so many flips already and so many changes in Allegiance. I'm not sure a flip is going to be the end of Tony's game. Like, in our game, when Cochran flipped, I mean, the you know, Coach said it. The line was drawn. You're on this side or you're in that game. In this game, we've seen so many flips before. It seems like, you know, none of them drive, uh, draw this hard line. I'm not sure that Tony couldn't flip back with, you know, and with no repercussions so I don't think it's a huge flip. I think Tony made a move and I don't think, you know, I don't think that the um the line is permanent at all. So I think it's a good move. The other reason I think it's a good move is you saw in that episode LJ kept saying, and he said it in the secret scenes as well, that his game at that moment was patience. LJ, I I really empathize with LJ because I felt like that's how I felt for a lot of the game. I could see this end game, and I just wanted to be patient. And I wanted everybody to stay still because I knew if I just got to that point, I had it under control. And I think LJ felt that way. He felt like he had Trish under his belt. He felt like he had Jeffra under his belt. And if he could just get to the six, that was his game because he had those two girls. Um, And so I think LJ, I mean, I think Tony was right to preempt that. Uh, And Tony was right to rock the boat. He had to.
0: Well, that's actually very interesting that you said that I, if you would have asked me beforehand, I would have thought you would say that you did not like this move uh, for a couple of reasons. Because one, Stephen Fishback didn't like the move last night. And I feel like you guys strategically are, you know, sort of in lockstep which I'm surprised to see that you are. I actually liked it more than I didn't like it. Uh, Wait, so I, why,
1: why, did, why didn't Stephen like the move?
0: Well, Steven's a little bit of a wet blanket when it comes to strategy. He wants to, you know, stay the course. He doesn't like anybody flipping around or anything like that. And I
1: don't, I don't think Tony would make the end on that course. If it gets to that final six, Tony does not make the end because Trish and Jeffra have a bigger alliance to LJ. There's no way Tony makes the end.
0: I, I don't disagree. I think that... LJ was probably going to get rid of Tony. So I don't think he necessarily makes the end. I feel like it's sort of a a little bit ironic that I don't really think he really helped his chances to get to the end or hurt his chances to get to the end very much. I felt like the biggest gain for him is that he took out the person who was the biggest threat to get to the end in LJ.
1: I agree. I agree. I mean, this is going along with what I said about Tony needing to be aggressive. Tony is somebody who's a threat to the game. Everybody knows it. Um, and so the only way he can stay in the game, I think, is by episode by episode, move by move. I don't think he can have a long-term plan because nobody sh- in their right mind should want to go to the end with Tony. They all seem to respect him as a player. And so he, if he had an end goal, he would have to have an end goal with two idiots, which there are no, not two idiots left so stupid that they wouldn't realize that's a bad end goal for them so the only way tony can play is by playing each round and getting one step further because tony doesn't have to worry i in my opinion he doesn't have to worry about who he goes to the end with i think tony could be any of them and so for tony it's just a matter of getting there and i think for him that means playing round by round and playing aggressively
0: Uh, sophie you're so pro tony
1: I, I, you know what? I'm. I wasn't. I didn't think I was. And then this episode, I really watched it. I wrote down notes about what he was saying. I saw the secret scenes, and I think what's impressing me about Tony is that he has a lot of shades of Russell Hands. He's really aggressive. He's having so much fun. He's um. He's just like the you know what's that bunny with a with a battery pack. Energizer. Behind. He's the energizer. He never stops. And yet he's likable. There's something kind of childish about him. When he has his confessionals, he's never saying, oh, I'm the best. He's just saying, oh, I really want to try it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. There's nothing egotistical about him. He's not insulting other people. Never does he say, oh, I want to get LJ out because he's a dumb boy, as he did, as Russell did with the girls. He's doing this all kind of for the love of the game. And I think it's showing through on television. And I imagine it's also showing through to his fellow competitors out there they all seem to like him
0: yeah i could be off on this but i don't think you've ever heard tony be like okay i gotta get rid of sarah because she's such a bitch and i gotta go do this yeah. um so he's not super- I'm
1: running the game out here he never says that he just says oh i gotta i gotta do this you know he's not reflecting on himself and that could come back to bite him because that's the other thing i noticed about him is the other people i think it was specifically um kind of trish she's very good at you know engaging the players and seeing where she fits in and how other people view her. And I'm not sure that Tony is doing that because he's so focused on taking a plan and implementing it. He's not focused on how am I appearing to other people? Who am I, who am I a threat to? So again, I think that goes in line with once he has to start playing defensively and has to start thinking about how he stands in the game um, I'm not, sure. I'm not sure if he can do it. We haven't seen that side of Tony yet.
0: The other reason that I thought you were not going to be super high on what Tony was doing was because, as I got a lot of questions about this, in your season, you were presented with a number of big moves that you could have made. Uh, Albert came to you with all sorts of plans about big moves. And... At each time you were presented with one of these, you stayed the course in favor of the more subtle move, which ultimately was the more effective move. And I think that people have the perception that you're not necessarily a fan of these big moves that Tony is making.
1: No, I don't think that's not true at all. That's completely false. I am going to shatter that perception. No, I believe that people should play the way that they can best play. And I think, actually, LJ was playing a more similar game to me in that he understood his position in the game. He understood, going forward, if he was able to stick with a a six, as I was able to stick with a six in my season, he understood that he was going to be in the best position because he had the strongest alliance, and he had two girls who seemed to be underestimating him and seemed to be willing to go to the end with him. And that was the position I was in. I was in a position where I knew if I could get to a certain number, which was five or six... I knew that those people I was with would go to the end to me and would lose to me. I don't think that's the position Tony's in at all. Tony's in the position where he he cannot just sit back and be patient with those people because he knows that he's too big of a threat. He has to make a move. And so I think Tony, can't, if Tony sat back and was patient, he would, you know, he he would he would lose. And I think Wu actually is 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 sitting back and being patient, and I think he will lose because of it. Um, So no, I'm not, I'm not a fan of the passive move. I'm only fan of the passive move if it works for you. And I think it could have worked for LJ. I think the only way it could have worked for LJ if he had been a little um, more perceptive about woo. I mean, I think he probably was wary of Tony, but he, I think he was good about keeping the girls in and he wasn't good about keeping everybody under wraps. Uh, So no, no, I think, I think Tony's move was great.
0: Were you an LJ fan?
1: Uh, no, I wasn't necessarily an LJ fan. I'm not. So my question for the LJ fans, I know Steven is a big LJ fan. I'm Huge sure. LJ fan. So what's better about LJ than like Tasha? What has LJ done better? I mean, I think Tasha is playing a very good game too. Neither of them made bad moves. Is it because LJ is a man and he's attractive?
0: I think I mean, that there's... I think that a lot of the LJ fandom is the aesthetic uh, fandom of the LJ. I don't think that it's necessarily his game. I think that his the his, the way he comes off, I think that it was appealing
1: to a lot of people. Mm. Do you notice in that travel council when Jeff was like, in your line of work, you know, is honesty important. What, is, what does LJ do? He's like a horse trainer. Yes. I don't know. I, he just seems slow. I'm not... I was impressed. I thought that he was managing Trish and Jeffra very well, and I think that he was right. If he had patience and everybody else had patience, he would win at the end against those two. But he he made, I mean, he had flaws in his game, and that's why he's out.
0: Okay, let's talk about some of these other players in the game, because I feel like uh, the last 24 hours or so we've just been, you know, all Tony all the time. Let's talk about a couple of the other female players who I think that we've probably been underserved in our coverage of this season. And let's start with Tasha, because I feel like she's in a pretty good spot here after all this. She wins immunity last night. So give me your read on Tasha and what she needs to do to win the game.
1: I mean, I'm very impressed with Tasha, but I think my read on Tasha isn't as important, really, as everyone else's read on Tasha. I mean, my read on Tasha is she's intelligent, she's won an immunity challenge, um, she is playing the game, uh, she, you know, she's strategizing, and I think she must be she must be uh, attractive to the other people if she's in the final three, just by virtue of her being on the brains tribe. I think anyone on the brains tribe, maybe not cast, will be seen as overcoming something, which everybody likes. Every jury likes, you know, you saw it with Denise Stapley. Everybody likes somebody overcoming something. So I think, I think she has a good shot to go to the end. I was also watching a secret scene where Cass said something about, um, she was, you know, complimenting Tasha. And she said, Tasha's so great. She talks to everybody, which to me sounds like she really is. You know, she has her finger on the pulse of the game. She knows where everybody's at. She knows her position. Uh, And then Tasha, you know, Cass goes on to say that if she's in the final three, she'd give you know she would give her, her vote. And Cass then says she feels like Tasha and Spencer, you know, embody the spirit of competition. So I think hands down, I think you, Tasha and Spencer both have a chance to win it if they get to the final three. The question is, can they get there? And I don't know if they can. My hope is that they can get there because I think that Tony, from what we've seen, seems to be very threatened by alpha males. Like he's worried about getting out LJ. He's worried about getting out Wu he doesn't seem too worried about getting out, you know, scrawny Spencer and uh, Tasha. So if Tony is in power and Tony can choose or has some, you know, through his flippage, um, can dictate a bit of who gets to the end or who goes out next. I think that Tasha, just by virtue of her being a female and not an alpha male, might, you know, survive the next killing.
0: I want to ask you about a few other players in the game that we haven't talked about much, but Before we get there, what do you think happens next week?
1: Okay, what do I think happens next week? I got to think about set it up in my brain again. So we have the, we have we have Tony and Wu flipped with the two brains and Jeremiah. So that's five against who? Jeffre, Cass, Cass, Trish. Trish. Is that it? Just those three girls.
0: Eight eight people.
1: God, what's going to happen next? Well,
0: I really think think going into this episode. I feel like that you could give me all eight people and I feel like everybody has an equal shot to go home next week.
1: No, no, I'm going to get this right. I'm going to get this right. Just give me a second.
0: Okay. Um,
1: we're, I, I'm going to get this right. So we have, and I'm not spoiled. We have, um, okay, so we have the 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 three girls... I don't think Cass is going anywhere soon because the jury keeps rolling her eyes at them. You know, who is Cass is Cass is a threat to who she's also not really in either Alliance. So it's not like one Alliance is going to team up against the other Alliance, but like Cass is the ringleader. And also there's no alliances. So I actually think that as a group, who knows what the shuffle is going to be. It's going to be another big player. It's going, it's going to be a threat to win the game. So it's going to, I think it can be woo if he doesn't win immunity with any combination of those people voting him out. Um, and let's see, what does Tony want to happen next? I imagine that Tony's thing is Tony needs Wu because Wu's one of his closest allies as a voting block. I could see um God, it's so hard. Yeah. You the, I wish I'd written all this down. Oh my god. Who do you think? Wait, give me your thought and I'll tell you you're wrong. I'll give you mine.
0: Okay, I I think that next week I feel like that we get some stability back and I feel like that t- uh, Tony wants to get rid of one of the people that's really anti Tony at this point and I feel like Jeffra is probably the one person who can't pivot on this and just can't get over the fact that Tony voted out Jeffra or voted out LJ. So I think she's trying to get people together and say, "Hey, let's it's you know, Tony, he's a Snake, we need to get rid of Tony, and I think that Tony's going to say, I need to shut this person up, and that they decide to get rid of Jeffra next week.
1: There's no way. There's no way. Tony's so focused on getting rid of somebody somebody really big. Let's say that those five stick together. If they voted out one of the three, like if Tony permanently s- switches, which I don't think he's going to do, which of the three they're going to vote out? They're not going to vote out Jeffra, right? They're going to vote out Trish or somebody likable, somebody who's doing.
0: But I, so. I feel like Trish that Tony will try to keep her around because I think that Tony can say, "Hey, look, I didn't mean to vote you, you out, but yeah. I, I will. You know, I still got our final three with you and me and Woo." Right. And so I think he's going to keep her around. I think that Je- he has no use for Jeffra.
1: You're right, and also the other thing is that he told Woo. I mean, sorry, he told Trish. So if he's able to get back any, uh, you know, allegiance, he could get it back from Trish. Because Trish said no, but Tony said to her, you know, it's me and you to the end, this is what I want to do. So it's not like he blindsided Tony, you're right. The only person he really, I mean, he didn't blindside Trish. The only person he really blindsided was, uh, Jeffra, right? And who gives a shit about Cass? Right. Um... (laughs) Um, I hate
0: Cass. Well, I hate cats. all right. Let's talk about Cass then. All right. Why do you? Why do you hate her? Is it because when? Oh. Because it, that don't you are, have warm feelings for Cochran? And didn't she flip at the merge like Cochran did? And shouldn't you, she be endearing to you?
1: No, it's not that she. It's not that she flipped. Like I don't. I don't care that she flipped. It's the whole game leading up to that. It's that she seems to be playing in the moment, and yet even though she's playing, you know, moment by moment, episode by episode, she's even doing that, she manages to make, so that she had no facial expression is completely right. I feel like she has no drive to win the game. She doesn't even have a drive to make the moves that she makes. It's just, and then I feel like there's something, I don't know, on top of all that, there's something kind of a little pretentious about her. I, I just think that Cass can not win the game. My only hope for Cass, because I have hope for everyone, you know, I'm not a mean person, I think that, you know, Cap, Cass can redeem herself. The question is, will Cass have a great jury speech? Because I think she's a bit of a goat now, and she could be taken to the final three. If Cass is able to say, listen, you know, every, every time I did something that nobody was expecting me to do, I, I dictated the game, every tribal council, then I think she could win, but she's just, I'm not sure she's Something's going on up there enough to, to really say that. I don't know. Do you like Cass? Does anybody like Cass?
0: I think I'm I'm um, warm to Cass. I think I've been a little puzzled by some of the decisions she makes. Like for instance, you know, when she decided to flip from one side to the other, I thought that was a questionable move for her to make, but I feel like she's she's made it she's made it work for her to a point now where she's not even being talked about and she, it looks like she's going to she's in the mix still. But then last night she's talking about hey, why would anybody switch from this six? That uh, this yeah, is—it exactly. would be stupid for anybody to switch from the six. So I felt like that was hypocritical for her to say that.
1: Yeah, no, she's she's a huge hypocrite. And I saw some secret scene of her where she was talking about how she's checked out of the game. I don't know. I just I'm I'm not impressed with Cass. I'm not impressed. And also, she you know she flipped from one side to the other on the bottom. She sh- you know knowing that she's still in the bottom, she should have been the one willing to flip back again. Um, but you know what, Cass is somebody who seems to, you know, when she's in jeopardy or when she knows she's at the bottom, she seems to make the right move, right? I mean, she's still in the game. Uh, she's not in a, you know, threatening position. My only, I think all, everything she's done actually is okay if she was able to make people still like her. But the fact that she's done all this and people dislike her tells me she's doing something wrong. You saw you see the jury's faces when they walk in. I don't think her moves are necessarily wrong. It must. It's just her personality is wrong. Well, what
0: does Cass do that Sandra doesn't do or vice versa? What is it that Sandra does that Cass doesn't do? Why do you feel like because I feel like fundamentally they're playing a similar game. So what is the difference between Cass and Sandra?
1: I think it's just likability. I think that the I think they both own their moves. I mean, but Sandra does it in this big, you know, pick one middle finger kind of way. Um, and Cass seems, you know, sometimes defensive. I think Morgan had it a bit pegged right, where she seems like somebody who has been bullied. And I don't mean that in the way I think Morgan meant it. I just mean it in that it seems. Um, very vindictive at times in a way that I'm not sure Sandra Sanders felt like Sanders to me felt more just like, I'm going to do what I want and I'm going to go one step further in the game. And I just cast seems like a child sometimes. Let me put it this way. Tell
0: me if you think that this is fair. That I think that Sandra is aggressive with the other players, and I feel like Cass is passive-aggressive or passive-aggressive with the other players. And for whatever reason, I feel like aggressive is easier to look past than passive-aggressive is to look past.
1: Definitely, definitely. I think just, I mean, passive aggressive sucks in general, but I feel like on Survivor, to vote for somebody at the end, you want to feel like you know them and you want to feel like you understand why they're making their moves. And even though they flipped, you know that, you know, Sander told you what was up straight up. And I don't think anybody gets that from Cass. I think they just get kind of this mean, snarly woman.
0: Okay, I want to talk about Trish also, because I think she's somebody that we've underserved in our coverage. And I'd love to know what your take is on Trish, because a lot of people felt like she did a very good job in this episode, that she asked Tony a lot of good questions, and that she's somebody who has a chance to win. Are you getting that from Trish?
1: I am. And Trish is somebody that I'm starting to watch more and really more just in this episode because I think I wrote Trish off a little bit in the beginning of the game with the laugh and especially with the Lindsay thing. After the Lindsay thing, because we had this view from Lindsay that Trish was this annoying person, in my mind, Trish became like a Sherry um, from Cochrane season. Sure. Somebody somebody who was there and a go, and like maybe was making moves and talking strategy to the camera, but somebody that nobody liked. And I'm realizing more and more from the way people interact with her that people like Trish. I mean, I think there's even been interviews, either secret scenes or on the show, where people have said, I love Trish. She's so much fun. You know, she's doing yoga with them. Uh, And so I think Trish really is building a resume to win the game at the end. And I wonder if by making her move early, her big move, that's the time to make a move in the game, right? Because you say that when you get to the final travel council, you want to have a resume, um, but you, I wonder if your resume is too close to the final tribal, you're making yourself into a big threat because everybody remembers, Oh, you know, Tony just flipped and he's making all these big moves. Whereas Trish kind of set her up at the beginning of the end and the beginning of the game with a big move and is now continuing her story and she can cap it off at five final tribal council with a great speech.
0: Well, what um, was her big move that she got Tony and LJ when they had the tribe swap?
1: Yeah, Exactly. Exactly. That was all her.
0: But don't you feel like that's going to be looked at more as Tony's big move that, or one of Tony's many moves that he flipped at that point?
1: I mean, wasn't that Trish and LJ bonding over Boston?
0: It's it's fair. You know, it's really in the eye of the beholder. You know, I kind of feel like if she's up there with Tony, I feel like it's harder for her to argue that that was her, that was her point. But it, she was definitely part of that mix.
1: Well, I mean, I, I said this earlier that I think that Tony with anybody is going to win the game. So the question is, who can Trish beat in the final Tribal Council, um, and how can she get there? And I think Trish could beat Jeff. I mean, I think everybody can beat Jeffra. Um And I mean, I didn't think that Trish could be, beat Wu. And so, how does Trish get to the end with with Jeffra and Wu? I mean not Cass she- and Cass. I think. But I, I'm not. I think the people who are hard to beat in this game are Tony and the two brains. You know, I agree. I agree. I think players.
0: those are the three people that have the best cases to get to the end and I feel like any of the other people I feel like are beatable. And I, and think, I that think Trish what, is the wild One of part. the
1: reasons why Tony might get to the end and win it is because both Wu and Trish, people who could win without Tony, are both connected to Tony. So the question is can Wu and Trish, you know, team up together against him with other people? against Tony, or is Tony so infiltrated into their minds and so good at, he's so good at pitting people against each other by telling both of them that, you know, they're each talking about each other. I'm not sure, for those four people we said could just win the game without the other three, I'm not for sure any of those could get to the end, um, you know, without without Tony intercepting. I'm not sure that we're ever going to see the the Woo and the Trish alliance, because both of them have close ties to Tony.
0: How about Wu? Have you been impressed with him in 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 this season so far? You know he sort of has been in ninja stealth mode at different times this season, but I feel like that. I'm coming around on Wu a little bit. Like, he does give really great confessionals sometimes. Like, I was laughing so hard last night when he was talking about, like, he's like, yeah, I thought today I was going to be sitting around getting my mani Petty on and drinking, a, you know, having a cocktail. But no, I'm back at camp and I'm just going to be eating white rice. And I thought he was really funny there.
1: I like how he kind of whispers in all of his confessionals, too. He kind of sets it up. He leans forward and he goes, you know... <sighs> I thought, it's, I don't know. I lo- I love Wu. I mean, I think, am I allowed to talk about edits? Sure. I think Wu's getting a little bit of a Fabio edit. You know, that's, that's the winner's edit he's getting, if he's the winner. Um, and, you know, does Wu... Wu has a case. For sure Wu has a case if he's against um, Jeffra or Cass. And I think that Wu's case is he's likable. He's not pissing anyone off. Um, and he is thinking. When he's presented, you know, when he's presented with choice A or choice B you see in those confessionals that he's making a decision. And I think, you know, what's important about the fact that we're seeing those confessionals is that we know at, at tri- final tribal counsel, if he's there, he's going to be art- able to articulate how he got to the end because he made choices, you know, unlike Jeffrey, who I'm not sure is making those choices and is thus able to look back and say, at this point I did this because, because it seems like she's saying at this point I did this because LJ was cute and I just followed what he did
0: going back to woo my heart was breaking oh. for him a little bit last night when Tony was telling him that LJ is trying to oh. blindside him and Tony was like uh, woo just so you know it was LJ he's trying to he's trying to blindside you bro he's trying to and he's like what what and then he did the confessional he's like uh, and, and he said that that turncoat LJ he's trying to oh. vote me out and uh, I felt so bad for for woo
1: yeah yeah I, I mean I don't feel so bad. It's such good television. I just I <laughs> want to know when Wu knows. I hope Tony told nobody any of this, and they're all watching it. I was expecting to see things like this watching my season. I wanted to see all these lies, and they're, they're just. this season has been so incredible like that. Um, would you vote for Woo at the end? I, would Wu need to have to be up against losers? Would you give Wu over Tony or Spencer or or um, Tasha?
0: I would not give Wu my vote. Because my question for Wu would be, what did you do to get to this point? Sure, you're a likable and you've played a clean game and you're not lying to anybody except for uh, except for when you stole Spencer's clue out of his pants. But other than other than that, what have you done, Wu? What was your big move?
1: See, now Wu is somebody who I can relate to in the don't make a big move but win the game kind of category. Because the same thing I said before is I do think Wu is making choices. And I think there's a difference between not doing anything and making a choice not to do anything. And I do feel like Wu, at each step of the game, is is making a choice to stay with Tony, making a choice to stay with this alliance. And I think that as long as Wu is thinking, which he obviously is doing, I think when you say, what did you do, Wu?, who will be able to articulate an answer to that question?
0: See, I don't think so because I think that through a lot of the game he has been not known what was going on. One, remember his blindside face, which Tony reminded him of at the point where Cliff Robinson got voted out and uh, he was completely completely stunned. He follows Tony last night but only after he's being completely misled about LJ's intention uh, to try yeah, to blindside yeah. him. So he's, okay. so he's following Tony, but he doesn't yeah. really know What's going on?
1: No, I, I think you're right then. I, th- I think you're very right. Yeah. But the question, I mean, the question is you we're talking about kind of two different things. One, does he deserve the game? And one is, is it possible? So the question is if he gets to the final three without Tony, Will anyone know that you know all these Tony lies? Is that going to play a factor into the end game if he's up against two other people? I'm not sure. it Will it? It will play a factor in how we view him as a winner, as somebody who maybe had no idea what the hell was going on the yeah. whole time, and one because he was nice but I'm not sure it's going to stop him from winning.
0: And I agree that it would be the Fabio plan where it's like, he'd be up there with a sash and with a chase rice. And it'd be like, you know, I can't stand, I can't even look at the other two of you guys. Fabio at least was a nice guy. He didn't get any blood on his hands. I'll give him the money.
1: Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think so. I want to know what you think about Spencer. I I, I can't decide if I'm, you know, if I'm overrating him or underrating him.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, He's playing a
1: good game, so...
0: I think think Spencer is doing a very good job. I mean, what what more could you want from Spencer at this point?
1: Nothing. Nothing. You could want nothing more. The question, I think the issue, the question is, now that Spencer's kind of been brought up from the dead with this Tony move, will Spencer then... Be aggressive in his next move because I think what Tony has done is he's fractured this whole thing out completely. That if you know if somebody else is willing to take the reins, on, other than Tony, I think there's a possibility for new alliances to be made with with Trish and with um, with Cass and with Jeffra, especially with Jeffra and especially with Cass. Um, and so will will Spencer notice that? And, and take that because I don't think Tony's the only one who needs to be picking up stragglers. I think that Tasha and Spencer have their chance. And if Tasha and Spencer, you know, don't go to them and try to stick with Tony and get screwed over by Tony next time, I'm going to have a lot less respect for them.
0: Okay. So if you're in Spencer's position, what's your next move?
1: I'm in Spencer's position, right? So how many people are left in the game right now? Eight. So they need a majority of five, let's say, yep. or four. Let's say he has an idol. So he, he has himself, Jeremiah, Tasha, if I were him, you go for Jeffra. You go for you go for Jeffra, or you go back for Cass because he knows Cass better and he can probably read her a little better about whether or not she's lying. But I think that, I mean, maybe you go for both of them. I think that I think that t- targeting Tony is the move here. But the question is, okay, so just Tasha- to go, hold on, hold on one
0: second. So, so when you say go for them, you don't mean target them. You mean make an alliance no, 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 no. with them?
1: Sorry, I mean Spencer, Spencer, and Tasha and Jeremiah need to make an alliance. Um, with the people who were blindsided last night to get out Tony. Uh, Because, and I'm not sure they're going to be able to do it because Tasha and Tony, I mean, uh, Tasha and Spencer now feel so indebted to Tony for lifting them up. Now they think they're in the Tony alliance. And I think that's the hardest thing about Survivor is being able to, you know, blindside somebody who just saved you, who is your friend. I mean, Tony now is their friend. And it seems like the easier option, Tony just proved to them that he's on their side. And so it might seem insane to them at the time to immediately blindside Tony and go for the other two. But I think the way this game is going, those people who got blindsided last night are up for grabs by anybody willing to take them.
0: So you think that at the next tribal council they should vote out Tony?
1: I think the next tribal council you vote out Tony. Who? What good is Tony to anybody? Who is Tony's alliance right now? Nobody. This is Spencer's turn to take the reins with some loser blindsides.
0: But here's the problem where... In the last couple of weeks, we've seen a lot of big players uh, go down. We saw Sarah, who I thought was the favorite a couple of weeks ago. She goes out. Now LJ goes out. Now, if Tony follows those three big players out of the game and Spencer becomes the new top dog at Final 7... I don't think that Spencer makes it to the end because I think that the other six people who are still in the game realize Spencer is the guy that we have to take out. And yes, he has an idol and he might be able to do it. But I feel like this is similar to Survivor of the Amazon, where after the merge, a lot of the big players went out one after the other. And whoever thought they were in charge tended to be the next person to go home. And I feel like if I am Spencer, I feel like I want to use Tony for cover for a couple of votes here and at least get a little closer before you take Tony out to get to the end. Because I think then the target becomes the hunter becomes the hunted and Spencer becomes the person that people are trying to get rid of once we get down to seven.
1: I hear you. I hear that. I hear Spencer needing to look ahead. The issue is that Spencer also has to look ahead to people he can sit at the end with, right? So you're saying he doesn't want to flip too soon, you know? He doesn't want to get these these um the, let's call them the losers because it's just an easy way to group them. But you know, Jeff and Cass too early um, because then he's going to be the target. But if he waits too long, then who is he going to the final three with? Tasha and Tony. You know, that's tough as well. Um, And then, you know, the other option is to flip against Jeremiah, but then, you know, he's putting himself in the same position that Tony just put himself in, which is flipping against your own group. Uh, So, I mean, maybe... Did you say earlier that Cass was the target? Cass could be a target next time. I mean, she seems like an easy... He could... I mean, he could get the Jeffra and the Trish alliance. At least I just think that somebody needs the, the Jeffra alliance. She's somebody who's going to lose and Tasha or Spencer need to pick her up. I think Jeffra as the next boot is a waste for anybody wanting to go to the final three with somebody easy.
0: I dis Well, I disagree because I feel like Jeffra is the hanging Chad that both Spencer and Tony need to get rid of because she's mad at Tony and she's also useless to Spencer because he has no relationship with her. And I feel like But she
1: has no relationship with anybody. She should relationship with her
0: well hear me out because i feel like if spencer was to vote out tony here at the next vote i think now you run the possibility of tasha saying hey what the hell do i want to go to the end with spencer why don't i pick up the losers and i think that tasha has a better relationship with those women that are still in the game than spencer does and now if i'm tasha i'm saying oh if i vote out spencer i can be the top dog and so i think that spencer would be leaving himself open if he gets rid of tony for tasha to pick up those other women that are still in the game and make a new alliance that could run the table and go to the end of tasha trish uh cass potentially and then pick up the women and then vote out the you know after tony vote out spencer and jeremiah and Wu and then have a women's final four
1: well so i i you've been out there before The way I felt out there, it is true, twice. Was it twice or just once? It was
0: was, one one point uh, decimal, yeah.
1: Okay, one point decimal. Do you think in this game that Spencer, Jeremiah, or, or Tasha will ever flip on each other? Because I feel like they have such a bond, especially Spencer and Tasha, and they've gone through so much. I'm not sure they could even bear to consider flipping on each other. I feel like their strategy in their mind is get to the final three with the three of us and probably Spencer thinks he could beat the other two and probably Tasha thinks she has a shot against the other two. I'm not sure either of those could bring themselves to view each other as threats. I think that's such a a firm three-person voting block and that three-person voting block can just pull in, um, you know, can pull in Jeffra and can pull in Cass or Trish and I just don't see Spencer being seen as a threat just by virtue of his friendship and by the comfort they will feel again from being safe. But I even think if, they just okay. want comfort and they want the numbers. They're, those people are not going to flip on each other.
0: But I totally see, I, I mean, totally hear you on that. OK, let's say that's a rock solid threesome of Jer- solid. Jeremiah. Tasha and Spencer. Okay, there, there, there's no separating them. Okay, no separation. Even if they vote out Tony, though, at the next Tribal Council, when you get down to seven, you have a rock solid three on one side, but you have four stragglers, four losers to use the term uh, of Wu, Trish, Cass, and Jeffra. So, what would stop those four from getting together and say, "This is an unbreakable three over here"? Let's put our four up against their three. Now that Tony's see, out of the picture, I
1: see, so I see what you're saying. You're saying just keep Tony once more, vote as a voting block with the three and Tony to get rid of anybody, and then flip on Tony.
0: I think that you have to keep uh, for a round or two. I think that
1: no, just one. You just need one. You keep Tony one round, right? And then you get rid of Tony. It's three against three, and you know those three are stronger than the other three. They go to rocks. They have an idol. Somebody flips. You get you. You can't. You gotta be careful on Tony. He's gonna find that idol.
0: Yeah. I think that it's very hard always to make the big moves at the even numbers. And there's an even number show this week with eight people. So I feel like uh, you got I think you just got to have a predictable boot here and just take one of the pieces off the board to just, just take a move away and get one step closer to the finals. And then I think if you're Spencer, you could target Tony. But I think you need him still one more one more week.
1: But Tony's so agitated. Can you see Tony saying, yeah, let's get rid of let's get rid of Jeffra. You know, Tony likes to be in control. I don't see Tony wanting to target Jeffra.
0: But what if she makes a big fuss when she gets back to camp? It's like,
1: Tony, how could you do this? You're such an a-hole that LJ was a good guy. And why did you do this to my friend? I guess so, maybe. I'm not sure, you know, Tony's going to, because Tony likes threats. He wants to go after threats. He might think, you know, Jeffra's a little whiny pants, but I'm not sure he's going to see her as a threat. The question is, you know, since let's just say Tony's been running the show. He seems addicted every vote. Who do you think do you think really think Tony if if Jeffrey puts up a fuss that's who he's gonna want out?
0: If you know he is sees that she's trying to get people against him, I do think that he would vote her out.
1: There you go. I could see that happening though. I think that's legit.
0: Yeah. And you know in I'm the- putting my
1: money on Cass though. I think Cass is going.
0: I could see that. I could see that too. I think the this group. I think it would be a mistake to make another big move next week. I think that everybody needs to just sort of like think about the end game and just get rid of some of these minor players that could be factors. You know, as Spencer put it, the pawns who are on the board who could become a queen if they make it far enough in the game. But right now they're just pawns, and just get them off
2: the board.
1: And you know what? I think that the three brains. You know, Jeremiah. I'm referring to are safe because I don't think Tony has a chance to go back with his old alliance because I don't think that Cass or Jeffer will believe him. And so I don't think there's going to be an opportunity to, for, for Tony to flip back and to go against one of those three. So I think it's actually going to be one of the fractured Alliance who's voted out next. There's no way one of those, you know, three brains are going when I say brains again, I mean, Jeremiah, not Cass.
0: <laughs> That's right. So sad. First time <laughs> ever, Jeremiah has been called a brain. Yeah. There you go. Sophie, you are locked in today. Uh, This has been fantastic so far. I have a ton of questions for you here from the listeners of Rob Has a Podcast. Are you ready for this? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: I'm eating my dinner now, but go ahead. All
0: right. Jeremiah Yap, what are you having?
1: Um, I'm having some granola. It's not not granola. It's like candy. It's like French vanilla chip. And then um, apricots. That's what you eat for dinner? Well, there's a lot of food in the nurse's office today, so.
0: Okay. Fair enough. All right. Jeremiah Yap said during Survivor Know-It-All's last night, Rob and Steven, actually it was just Steven, tried to compare you to Spencer. Is that a fair comparison? If not, who do you think Spencer's gameplay resembles most? Um, all right. Stephen Fishback said, I think that Spencer is a player like Sophie. Do you agree with that statement?
1: What was what were um, Steven's reasons?
0: <laughs> I, honestly, it was a little <laughs> a little unclear of that.
1: Oh, as long as it wasn't something to do with like a physical um, resemblance,
0: <laughs> he did not say you guys looked physically similar.
1: <laughs> That's good. So I think Spencer is a player like me. Um, it's kind of hard to say because Spencer and I, I think, are in very different situations. So Stephen really must have been thinking about this because I think this, you know, the really easy thing to say is that you know uh, LJ or that. Um, Trish is a player like me, but Spencer is somebody who's really been at the bottom the entire time, which I've never been at. So the question really is, is Spencer's thought process similar to mine? Um, Maybe, I I think, Stephen could be right. I see in Spencer somebody who's uh, quite smart um, and quite strategic, but young. And I was really young when I was out there as well. Um, And so that seems to get the better of him sometimes. And I can remember times on the island where um, maybe I acted a bit the way Spencer was acting, and, you know, I had a bit of a babyish fight with Ozzy, um, and I had a little pouting thing with Edna once, and I got kind of sad and lonely for a little while. And I, I, I do think that um, probably the way that we're similar is just that, you know, we're both fans of Survivor, and we know what strategy should be t- done, but sometimes our age gets the better of us. So I do see that as a similarity, um, I'd be curious to know what his other reasons were.
0: Okay. Well, we we'll, maybe you guys can uh, talk about that at some point later. I'm,
1: I'm, I'm a huge fan of Spencer. I love Spencer. Like he's done nothing wrong. I should be nicer to Spencer. I feel like he doesn't get credit cause he's so obviously the best player out there.
0: So Trevor Chong wants to know, in South Pacific, you guys had a dominant six-person alliance with each person thinking they were at the top. It was a correct assumption for you, but for Rick, Brandon, and Edna, it was not. How do you determine if you are at the bottom of a majority alliance? Now we've seen a lot made this season about six-person alliances and who's at the top and who's at the bottom. So Sophie, if you're a survivor player, how do you determine where you are in the six-person alliance?
1: Well, I think a lot of it is by, you know, how much people talk to you. Do they only talk to you when they only need to talk to you? You know, when they're when they're coming to talk to you to prove to you that you're in their alliance before a vote? Or do they come and say, hey, you know, let's just talk some strategies just for fun. Let's go through some hypotheticals. I think going through hypotheticals with somebody is just proof that you're not there to convince them that they're in your alliance. It's like this very casual way of, you know, You don't even have to be obvious about it. Let's just, we're so tight. Let's just casually go through hypotheticals. And I think I worry when somebody is only saying to me, like Brandon, you know, it's the six of us till the end and never talks to me about what do you think about other people in the alliance? Where should we sit? Um, So I think, you know, you know, you're at the bottom when you only get the most superficial strategy conversations with everybody.
0: That's very interesting. Uh, Would you say that that would be also true in your office as well? I, 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 I like to. I like to occasionally bring Survivor back to the real to the world water, the because for the, the the majority of the people, the fa- thousands and thousands of people that are p- listening to this, they will probably never play Survivor, but they will have office politics and all sorts of things in their work in their workplace. And do you think that that holds true for being able to, you know, whether it's your you know your friends yeah. and people you work with as well?
1: Definitely. I mean. It's just like the obvious thing about the friends that only use you when they need a ride to somewhere or when they're going through a breakup or something like that. You know, there are those friends. And then there are other friends who will call you or, I mean, I don't want to be called that often, but who will text you just to say, hey, what's going on? Like, what do you have for dinner? And that's the difference. And that's what makes, I mean, I think what's more important about the conversation we're having right now is not about how to recognize you're at the bottom, but how to be at the top. And be at the top effectively and make everybody think that they're not at the bottom. And the way is to not just call up your friends and say, um, you know, hey, I was just wondering, you know, could I borrow your car this weekend? Do you need to borrow somebody's car that weekend? You call, you know, you know, start texting them a month in advance and say, hey, miss you, what's up, how are you doing? Like, just want to let you know. Blah, blah, blah. You have to be so aggressive with how casual your friendship is that when the time comes to ask them for their car, I mean, the car is there with the keys in it. So I just think that this is, it tells you a lot about how to be at the top of Alliance and how to be there effectively. You know, with Edna, you got to take her aside, not the day before tribal council, three days before, and say, hey, Edna, like, I'm really worried. I'm worried that, you know, the guys are going to gang up on the girls. I'm not worried the guys are going to gang up on the girls. But you need to have hypothetical conversations with her that she thinks, you know, are not, you know, directed to make, you know, the point of which are not just to make her feel safe two hours before tribal Good so stuff. watch out if you're an office worker.
0: That's right. And and start to get your guard up when somebody that you don't really talk to is now starting to ask you what you had for dinner and all sorts of these things. Because you know a month from now they want to borrow your car.
1: Exactly. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> I dropped my earphone and my teeth.
0: <laughs> oh no, is it okay?
1: Yeah, I think it's
0: okay. Jeff McGinnis wants to know: Do you think, as I do, that Survivor, as well as Big Brother, hypes up players making big moves to the detriment of understanding the value of making the smart move? Sophie, can you discuss a little bit of the difference between the big move and the smart move?
1: Um. Well. I think I think a big move, a smart move, I think what's more important, that's not the right distinction here, the right distinction is big move versus lo- a lot of very, very smart decisions. And I think that some of the best players don't have one explosion. They have a series of, you know, very, very smart kind of percolations. I don't even know the right word for this. And I think Tasha is one of those players. You know, Tasha has not had a big move. From the secret scenes I've seen, you know, she, at every interaction with somebody is doing the right thing, saying the right thing, and it's evident because Cass in her secret scene said, you know, Tasha has the spirit of the game. And yet Tasha's not done something overt, like make a you know, goddamn spy shack to prove that she has the spirit of the game, but she has the spirit of the game. And so, I, yeah, I do think that people um, who, you know, instead of bringing three dozen roses to, their, you know, to the party and Survivor, Um, you know, they clean the dishes every day. Those people don't make television, you know, the three dozen roses do. Um, and so, I mean, that's just, I feel like we've had this conversation so many times, but I think that the viewers of Rob has a podcast and the listeners of Rob has has a podcast have become smart enough to recognize that players like Tasha are playing just as smart games as Tony, but not games that can be televised and make it look exciting.
0: Okay. And that's good. And, and the audience likes it when you speak directly to them.
1: Hello, audience.
0: <laughs> they do. They like that. Okay. So, how about this question from Austin Thind wants to know Is there any chance that Tony is an Albert with a pair of balls? Both were always scheming against their alliance, but Tony actually took action unlike Albert. Is, would you make that comparison? Is that fair?
1: I, I'm not sure I see any comparison there. <laughs> Remind me, they're both schemers, maybe. No, I mean, uh, Albert was pretty damn passive. Um, he was tired all the time. He That's around. why I Tony mean, is Albert with balls. balls. <laughs> Albert <laughs> with balls. Okay, then everybody who's ever played Survivor is similar to Tony if they only had the balls. What defines Tony is his balls. Tony is just a sack of balls. <laughs> okay, so anybody is Tony if they had balls. Stupid question. Let's move on. <laughs>
0: Sorry, Austin. <laughs> okay. Okay. No, I love you. All um, right. Whatever. Liam Carlson writes Spencer calls himself the Cochrane who doesn't suck. Is this accurate?
1: Cochrane who doesn't suck. I mean, yeah, the Cochrane who doesn't suck up to the cameras. Um, no, I mean, Spencer's playing a great game. I'm not quite sure I understand why he would call himself the Cochrane who didn't suck, as Cochrane just won the game. And also, Cochrane does not suck. I am um, a big fan of Cochrane's. Uh, I'm curious to know what Spencer didn't like about Cochran. I imagine it's because Spencer probably thought he related to Cochran before the show aired as somebody who was a little nerdy and a fan of the game. And Cochran probably let him down in this first season. He couldn't forgive him for that. Um,
0: it is odd, so- though, because he would have written that bio after Cochran won right. the game.
1: Right. I mean it's very I think it's odd too for a, a fan to not like Cochrane. Cochrane is beloved by the fans.
0: Now, one, do you think that may, that maybe Spencer feels like that the things that suck about Cochrane are that he's bad at challenges? Does he feel like he is a Cochrane yeah. who is a physical threat?
1: Um, maybe a physical threat as well. And I mean, Cochrane has some I mean, Cochran can be weak in other areas, not just physical areas, although I should point out now to all the women rap listeners li- listening um, that Cochran is working out these days and may be a much bigger <laughs> physical threat the next time you see him. That's true. But I think that as a viewer, you could see other ways, if you did not know Cochran, that he might suck, in addition to physical ways. <laughs> you know, the ways that he is unable to you know decide if he wants to open the coconut or not, um, and you know needs other people to comfort him and to make him feel better. And I think that this Spencer, you see him, he even he's so often puffing up his chest, he gets so excited. And I don't think Spencer is somebody who's ever going to ask somebody for dating advice. You know, Spencer has a, I'm not even sure, I mean, maybe you would just call it confidence. I mean, Spencer at least projects more confidence than, than Cochrane, which is not sucking,
0: do you think that maybe Spencer made plans with Cochran and then Cochran just like never got back to him? Is that why he could call himself the Cochran that doesn't suck?
1: Maybe, maybe, maybe Cochran stood him up.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, good. That leads me to the next question, because Nathan Bayless wants to know, were you ever stood up for a strategy date on Survivor South Pacific?
1: No, but I can, I, I love the idea of somebody standing someone up because it is very dangerous to go on those strategy dates. People know that you're going and it doesn't matter if you tell your lines beforehand, hey listen, like I'm just gonna go. Because the question always is that nobody's actually ever asked it before. Well why don't you stand them up? And I remember I had this issue when Albert and I would go and talk to Jim. I was so annoyed that Albert really wanted me to go and talk to him anyways because I just felt like it was I didn't want to do it and it was calling unnecessary attention. And it just didn't occur to me to stand him up. It didn't occur to me. Um, and, I mean, obviously you can have strategy talks there in the woods that nobody knows about. But when it's something that was so ob- you know, in, so apparently obvious as it was then – I think it was so clever of him. To, I mean, I mean, obviously, in, in the end, it was a stupid decision for him. But I think the idea of standing someone up rather than call attention to yourself is so smart because I think people as viewers really underestimate how paranoid everybody is out there. Um, and it doesn't matter if LJ announced to everyone, hey, she's making me go talk to her. I hate her guts. You know, she's going to tell me stupid things. I'll tell you everything. You're still worried. And I remember that, you know, Coach did the same thing to us. Coach would always go and talk to Ozzy. He talked to Ozzy, you know, at the merge, at Redemption Island, at the Final Four. And he would always say, guys, guys, I'm just going to go placate Ozzy. But in my head, I kept thinking, why do you have to go talk to Ozzy? I don't, you know, I don't get it. Why, why even talk to this guy? You're obviously buttering him up for the jury. You're doing something. So I was very suspicious of it. I remember I had confessionals where I said, "You know, Coach could be playing a game that I don't know about with Aussie." Um, and so I think that this idea of standing someone up, of just plain refusing to talk, I think it's novel and it's brilliant.
0: Yeah, two things on that. I agree. I feel like anytime anybody it's anybody has the plan of oh. I'm just going to go play the people on the other side. That person is always actually working with the other side on reality TV. Anytime that happens, yeah. vote that person out immediately. They're they're playing you and they're actually working with the other group. Uh number 2, Sophie, did you actually get stood up on a date in real life recently because you tweeted about this a couple of weeks ago that you said that you were uh stu- you got stood up and uh, I just remembered this as we're talking about this.
1: I actually did get stood up recently. What did I tweet? I don't remember actually tweeting about it. But you, I did. What you
0: tweeted was um, I. <laughs> I just got I just got stood up on a date. It was because it, it was after the roast and used the hashtag that you're roasting yourself.
1: Oh right, I did get stood up on that date. Oh yeah, man. Was that no, good that strategy
0: was, by that person?
1: That was bad. I mean, I doubt this person's ever going to watch this, but I got asked out by this guy who, like, found me on Facebook and was a friend of a friend. Um, and he was – I mean, I had many mutual friends with him. He's a normal guy. He went to law school. He was cute. And so I agreed to go on this date with him. Um, they Like, this was all him. Like, who emails some stranger on Facebook? Um and then, like, an hour before the date, I was about to leave, he was kind of working late. I mean, we since had a date after that. But I was actually, like, ready to go. I had my hair done. Like, I had my, I know jeans are not appropriate date wear, but, like, I was all dressed. This was, like, 9 o'clock at night, which honestly is my bedtime. So, no, I mean, this is not an interesting story, but I did get set up. and I haven't gotten set up ever before in my life. Oh, I and think- the guy didn't, he didn't even know me, which I feel like is a really weird way to stand somebody up, right?
0: Uh, that's very weird. But how can? why would you go out on a date with a guy after he stood you
1: up? I don't know. I give people the benefit of the doubt.
0: Oh, Sophie. Let's, not talk. Let's yeah. not talk
1: about my personal life. <laughs> All
0: right, Michael Mulqueen says, I met Sophie <laughs> at the Rob as a Podcast roast and she was so stunning. So if she was a new player on this season, would she have preferred to have been on the Beauty or Brains tribe also, if there's an NYC version of the roast, can we count on another round of Sophie cracking jokes? I don't know why he doesn't include you as a as a candidate for the Braun tribe. Also, that you were quite a physical threat, I thought, on your season.
1: Yeah, I'm a little fed by that. But no, I'm not a physical threat anymore. I'm still recovering from my knee surgery. So I'm actually like, I would be the weakest person ever on Survivor. Um, I don't know why. Yeah, I think I would probably... I, i'd agree they probably have a hard time placing me but i i think in the end they would most likely put me in the brains <laughs> i, I agree i think that's where we had you
0: in our all-star brains <laughs> versus beauty versus brawn tribe
1: very kind of him
0: yes okay so then and by the way would you would you come to a second uh, survivor roast
1: Rob, you know that I love to participate in everything that you make and do well thats and I think a lot of this is thanks to your viewers because thanks to their support you're able to put on such quality programming
2: yes
0: well thank you very much and it means a lot to me that you are a fan that you're up for whatever crazy ideas that we have and you have you Speaking have not of what disappointed our crazy us.
1: Ideas we have can we uh, do the the uh, the capture the flag
0: <laughs> were you serious about it? you wanted to do this yes. explain what this is that you want to do
1: Okay, so the way real Capture the Flag works, right, is you have two teams. Let's say you get ten survivors. We do East Coast versus West Coast or something like that, you know, old school versus new school. We get five girls and five guys in each tribe, um, and uh, we do it in Central Park. And or I mean, well, they should go Central Park. We have to somewhere more rural where we're not going to get in trouble by the police, but the best way really... I mean, it's just Capture the Flag. You should not play the Capture the Flag. The way I play it is instead of tagging people like, running and tagging them, you fill up socks with flour, and then you tie the top of the sock, and then you, like, can swing and fling these socks at people, and when it hits them, it makes this, like, flower mark on them, and it hurts a little bit, but, like, you can, you know, throw them from yards and yards away, and that's how you get people out, and there's a jail. Once you hit them, they have to go to the jail, and other people free the jail, and there's a flag, and I just think with, I mean, the issue is it's going to take a lot of cameramen um, but when you make when you make this difficult enough, when you when you set the parameters such so as difficult enough, this kind of game can go on all day, and you have the same kind of strategizing, except it's physical strategizing, and people running through the woods, and, and also, I mean, I think if you played with multiple teams, you could have maybe we could have three tribes and two tribes, then you'd have them, you know, making alliances and getting up together, and in the last minute, bam, somebody would hit each other with like the flower sock. I just think that this is the next place for Robert Hazard cast to do it. because you know what it's about outwit, outlast, outplay in Survivor, and I think we've you know we've had the outwit with the with the um, with the with the roast and the thing, but we need the outplay. We need to prove you know our athletic abilities.
0: All right, well we'll we'll see that. I don't know. This seems like a, a, you know, I feel like we need John Kierhofer involved with this. This seems v- oh, very elaborate.
1: What about, what about that miles guy on Twitter? He makes, he makes games. He'd be into it.
0: Yeah. But I don't know about like uh, obstacle course type games.
1: Rob, like, I just like feel like you, you used to be a visionary and I don't know what's happened <laughs> right. to you. All right.
0: Well, let's talk more about this offline uh, because we still have so many questions for you, Sophie. All right. Let's go back into, okay. Uh, This is from Gavin Costello, who wants to know if you were on this season, would you try and work with Tony using him like you did with coach or would you want to get rid of him? All right. So fictional season, you and Tony are both out there. Are you working with Tony or are you getting rid of Tony?
1: Um, So one is I, I think I'm a good player, but I wonder if I would be able to see through Tony. I think Tony's playing so well and I'm not sure anybody is seeing through him. So I think I'd be giving myself a lot of credit, which is what this, you know, this question is based on the fact that I'd be able to understand who Tony is and how he's playing the game. And I'm not sure I would. I honestly, I'm not sure I'm going to give myself that much credit. And second, I think the difference between Tony and coach is that Tony is likable. Tony is not pretending to be somebody he's not. Tony is somebody who's out there. He's he's admitted to lying already. He's told them all. My God, can you believe I already told all these lies? He's owning his game he's they going asked to him last game. night
0: what is your job and he <laughs> he, he told it's, it's a construction worker
1: <laughs> okay but i just think that at the final travel council he is not going to say construction worker when he's has asked that question he's going to say oh my god guys i'm a cop i fooled you all. oh my god and then i made a spy shack and i did this and i did that and people I, I if i was in the jury i would be psyched by that and i'm not sure he's making anyone bitter um i just think that I just think if I went out there, I would recognize Tony as other people are who are playing with him as somebody who loves to play the game and is aggressive doing it. Um, And you can't fault him for that because he's like a 12 year old in a candy shop.
0: Mark Solera, one of your biggest fans. Sophie says, uh, first off, huge fan. My question is rather simple. How do you handle one of those memory challenges?
1: Oh, well that was easy last. So actually I talked to me on Twitter about this last night Usually with a memory challenge, um, like the one from last season when it was, you know, box, hammer, s- s- um, scalpel. I just think of, a, you know, a story where, you know, somebody's opening a box with a hammer and then he opens the box and the scalpel pops out and it hits his eye. So I think of a story. But last night, I think with colors, um, similar to numbers in a way, colors can kind of jumble all in my brain. Like what's really different between blue and green and then blue, green, red? Yeah, it's just something that's hard for me to remember. So last night, what I did when I thought about it, was I just put all the first letters into words. So I think my mnemonic last night was real gaze, um, something belly buttons, la- uh, giggling and burping. Real gaze, man, what was it?
0: Gaze uh, as in G A Z E or plural of the people that Corinne hangs out with?
1: The plural of people that Corinne hangs out with. I mean, I think that w- one of the keys to making a good sentence like this if you, is you have to anticipate, you know, using some adjectives. Um, and then w- when you have a letter that you notice can be used um, as a verb to do it. So mine was real gays puke, real gays puke, um, black belly buttons, giggling and burping. And then if there's blues <laughs> and blacks, you Isn't have This
0: is an to offensive kind
1: of, story, Sophie. Is not it an offensive story? No, the other trick to remembering things, though, is you have to use offensive words. If somebody says to you, you know, um, cat, snuggle, grass, leaves, blue, or whatever, you're not going to remember it. You have to use lesbian. You have to use swear words. You have to use anything that, no, and it's not an offensive thing. You have to use anything that is a charged word in our society. Because if it's a charged word, you're not going to forget it. You're not going to say, was it, you know, oh, God, you know, was it real unicorns? Or was it real badgers? No, you've got to use, you know, real gays, puke, black belly buttons, burping, and giggling. I remember it today. Wow.
0: Wow. Sophie, this is fantastic because this is so much better than what I tried to do. I said, you know, I said, okay, I'm going to take the first letter of the word. And then I, so it worked out fine with like what it was like. Uh, like uh, red, green, yellow, ridgy, and then Ugh, God, and and then when they got to the second one, I was done by like four colors in. Uh, then they started, they got black and blue in the mix, and uh, yeah. I was toast. I would have been done.
1: You got to anticipate that. I mean, I I, I do want to stress that I, I I don't. Mine was not meant to be offensive because it doesn't mean anything. It's not a sentence that I'm coming up with. It's no, just, I,
0: I didn't. I like, was teasing.
1: I didn't you know. I just want to make sure. And then the other thing, did you see? um uh, what's it, LJ's secret scene about how he did it? I thought that was really cool. No,
0: I didn't. I saw a secret scene where Tony was scared of sharks, which was funny because we called him a shark earlier in the episode. Did you watch that one?
1: Yeah, I, like, I, I watched it Very all. funny.
0: All right, how did LJ saying, do it?
1: Did, so he um, knows horses. Like he watches horse racing, obviously. And apparently in horse racing, the numbers are always associated with the same color. So in horse racing, the horse number one is always a white horse. Like it has the white thing. And so for him, all of those Colors are associated with a horse number, so he just translated all of the the colors into numbers. So instead of remembering red, green, yellow, black, red, he remembered three, four, eight, two, three, which is kind of easier to remember the numbers because then you can remember it like a phone number. Um, and he he was very surprised. He doesn't quite know still, I, you know, how he messed up. I think that was quite clever to use something, you know.
0: Yeah, I still yeah. like I like yours better. I'm going to go with charged words. Yeah. From now on. Okay. Laura Holtzwasser wants to know, what has been Sophie's weirdest fan encounter? Do you have a weirdest fan encounter that you can tell us?
1: Weird fan encounter. Um, well, I'll say I don't get, I mean, I don't have that many fan encounters. I feel like the last fan encounters are have uh, were at the roast. Um, and none of them were weird. Those were all, you know, surprisingly pleasant. Everybody's really interesting. I actually I thought one of the no, the weirdest one, and this is not gonna sound weird to viewers. I mean I obviously had weird ones at the finale where I just wanted to avoid everybody who had any tattoos of Jeff Propes, and there were way too many old tattoos of Jeff Probst. Um, but the weirdest one I had was at the Rose where this guy came up to me and he looked a little familiar, um, and he had a baseball cap on and you know, he was attractive and we started talking, he was a fan. I was like, so strange. He was at my casting and he's a big fan of the show and he was in my casting group. I have a sketch drawn of him in my sketchbook from casting. I have you know, I thought he was a Boy Scout and he told me that he was a Boy Scout, so I pegged that right. And he was just so much fun to talk to. And it was fascinating to talk to somebody who could have been on my season, like who went through that, that stage with me before I'd been cast and had the same kind of feelings and yet had his dream crushed. Um, so I think that was almost one of the surreal fan encounters to, you know, to talk to somebody who is a fan now of the show slash, you know, maybe of me, who I was in the same boat as and who we had all, you know, all these shared experiences with. That was so cool.
0: Rob Kirk wants to know, when somebody tells you that a person is gunning for you, is it wise to simply believe the source or should you always confront the person who is supposedly targeting you? Tony has tricked three people now. And all they had to do was simply go to the other person and say, why do you want me out to realize Tony might be lying? Just curious what Sophie has to say about this because if I remember correctly, she found out that Albert was targeting her at some point. So what do you think of this strategy that Tony has uh, a number of times used like, hey, did you hear about LJ? Yeah, he's trying to blindside you next.
1: I mean, I think this strategy is incredible and we talked about it earlier. I think that somehow by... Being so, you know, outlying, lying so outright, he seems to be making himself more believable. I think it's hard to say whether or not this strategy, you know, point blank is good or bad, or if somebody tells you point blank where you should believe them or not. I think it's really situational dependent. But I wonder how good this strategy will be in future seasons, having seen it, because I think the way you combat this strategy is having seen this season, and then once, you know, in the next season, when somebody says to you, "Oh, this guy wants you out," you think back and you said. Man, every time Tony said that he was lying to somebody, I got to double check somehow. Um, and I think in my particular situation, my uh, you know uh, my relationship with Albert had di- disintegrated socially. You know, we we were arguing more. There, it, w- it was obvious to me for other reasons than people just telling me that he wanted me out. But I do think that did firm it up for me. Um, so I I think this is an incredible strategy, and I don't think that many people have actually. Which use part is the so right strategy? Times.
0: What what Tony is doing or to go back and ask the person if... They- well, I think
1: Tony's strategy is incredible, right? right. And to use it so many times effectively in a row. Um, I, I think then what do you do if you're told... I don't think, I think it's situational, by, you know, it's situation dependent. Um, but I think that you should be in the kind of position in a game where you're not reliant on one person. And I think that's the problem with Wu, is that he's only reliant on Tony. He doesn't have enough other alliances to be able, you know, to trade stories. So I think you should never be in a position in a game where one person to be telling you one thing is the only information you have to go on. You should have, you know, your finger on the pulse of the whole tribe, enough to know, enough to be able to gauge, could this be true? Could this not be true? Who can I talk to?
0: Yeah, I do think it's a good call to ask the person if they're, you know, what's up with that. And then I also think that somebody, some Tyson did something last season where then if you're the one who gets confronted, uh, hey, did you say to people, Did like uh, Tony told me that you're trying to get me out. Tyson's move was like, dude bro he told me the same thing about you that you were trying to get me out and then it sort of discredits the person that by by sort of reversing it back on the person who right. was the source so, so 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 many layers
1: my only question is i guess the reason they don't confront right they don't confront because they say well let's blindside them right now they're saying let's blindside the person who gets me out has there ever been a moment Where um, the person, you know, let's say somebody like Wu does confront LJ and it ruins the chances to blindside that person and that person was actually trying to get Wu out, you know, because that's what they're trying to avoid here. But has it ever happened? Has somebody ever ruined a play, a blindside by confronting the person?
0: If anything, if it is true, it really only probably accelerates it. So it's like, if you're trying to get me out and I ask you, Hey, are you trying to, did you tell Tony oh, you is. wanted to vote me out? Yeah. Uh, it's sort of like only probably accelerates the plan. So right. it's, you know, it, it's, if you were going to get voted out, you were just going to probably get voted out anyway. So there's not, I don't think there's a ton of downside. I guess the one downside would be if it wasn't true, it makes you seem paranoid and then it could be a self-fulfilling prophecy.
1: Or if it is true and LJ has an idol and now he knows that everybody's against him and he plays his idol.
0: Yes. Ryan Wangman wants to know, when will the Tyler Perry super idol rear its ugly head and ruin this beautiful season? Sophie, are you in the loop about the Tyler Perry idol?
1: Do you think I'm in the loop? I am in the loop about this whole season. Of course I'm in the loop. I was actually going to ask you this question. It was one of the things I wanted other people's opinions on. I was wondering today if they're going to wait. I mean, obviously it's out now, but the question is when is the clue? You know, when is the really good clue to this idol going to come? And I wonder if they're going to wait until kind of the final five or the final four, hoping that this will be the way to get that strong person into the final three, right? Because the producers hate when three weak people get into the final three. They want, you know, one of the favorites, one of the people who's always been a target to get to the end. So maybe they will not put it in the game until the final four or five when that person w- who will look for it the most and will be the most aggressive at looking for it will find it and be able to play it and it will be his ticket to the final three. Um, so I'm not I won't be surprised if it's something that doesn't quite come out maybe in the next not in the next episode, but in the episode later. Okay. What do, what do you think?
0: No, I think that makes a lot of sense for them to do it later to do it later on into the season, I feel like that might be a way to combat somebody just being able to ride this super idol on a magic carpet basically all the way to the finals, as opposed to if somebody gets it at final six and gets to the final four with it, and they say you have only two tribal councils to use it. I think that might be be more fair, I think, than to have it you know show up at the beginning of the merge and then have somebody use it for you know the next seven tribal councils
1: right. Well, no, I thought, the, I thought sorry, I thought the way you use it is you just use it once after you've even voted out and then it's done.
0: Yeah, but you could, say, once you have it, you could say, hey, everybody, hey, got yeah, the I Tyler got Perry idol. If you vote for yeah. me, you're going home. And well, Also,
1: the, the point of it is to save somebody big. And if they give it to that person at first and they say, okay, we're going to vote you out, then they vote, just vote them out the next time. So the time to save somebody big with the Tyler Perry idol without the risk of them being voted out next is only at the final four or five, right?
0: I, I think so. I think that's a good point. All right. Thomas Forsey wants to know, in Survivor South Pacific, Albert and Coach schemes to keep Cochran around longer than was originally planned, a scheme that you immediately and emphatically shot down. Had Trish taken as aggressive a stance as you did, could she have talked Tony down from making this move or was Tony going to do whatever he wanted to do anyway? Uh, Sophie, if you quantum leaped into Trisha's body last night, could you have stopped Tony from making this move?
1: Um, the the, que- the big question is: was Tony you know was Tony wanting to go back with his old tribe later? I'm not I'm not sure I could have stopped ma- you know Tony from making the move because I think the way I stopped the Cochrane thing was. Um, you know, I reminded everyone and I forced everyone to play by these rules that Coach had set up, these moral rules, this idea that you had to stay true to the word from day one to win at the end and that nobody was going to vote for you and that the whole thing was going to fall apart. Um, and that's obviously not the rules this, this group of survivors are playing by. So I'm not sure if she can hold that kind of thing over, over Tony's head. I'm not sure what Trish has to rein in Tony. Um, I think the person who is trying to do that more was LJ. You could see how he just, you know, he said in that episode, and he said in Secret scenes, you know, patience, patience. He, he was the one who was trying to rein people in. And I wonder if he, if he actually, you know, he had Jeffrey, he had Trish, if he had then gone to Woo, I think he, somebody had to go to Woo and say, Woo, listen, you know, you, maybe it was Trish and say, you could flip with Tony. But if you flip with Tony, you know, you're, you're breaking everything of the six. So Tony's going to flip. You're breaking the whole six. What we've created is over, and you're at risk next, and I'm at risk next. You have to make that person feel like you do this and you might go home, right? And so I think the person to rein in is not necessarily Tony, but it's everybody that he needed to go ahead because that forces Tony, as it the Coach, to stay with a group that he has no choice but to stay with. Um, and by letting Wu go along and letting you know, letting the kind of the stragglers go out, you know, Tony was allowed free reign. and I think so. I think that there needed to be stricter rules about the sex, and and I think LJ was on the right track, but there weren't strict enough rules, and and Wu wasn't worried enough about you know about switching. Do you need to have strict rules in the alliance? I think I, I think you need to have Boston Rob type rules in the alliance. I, I mean, I think. To have that alliance of six that you're planning to pagong, I think to pagong someone there has to be so many checks and balances that just were not there in this alliance this is not they should have seen that that was not a six- person alliance yeah. to, you know has there ever been a pegonging alliance a six-person alliance or five- person alliance that was not formed on the original tribe I think that that's that's a red flag when you haven't been together since the beginning
0: I think that's a really good point'm I'm, try- I'm sure there's going to be something and I'm sure people will let us know in the comments no, but no, I think you're wrong. Yeah, <laughs> they love that um ron Chan <laughs> wants to know sophie how does an rhap listener become part of the wine and cheese alliance are, are you guys accepting listeners into the uh, the wine and cheese alliance
1: i think a lot of the wine and cheese alliance is listeners so i really don't like the divide this question is is implying
0: you feel like uh, there's an overlap between listeners and people in the rhap alliance
1: well, I think, you know, it's one and the same. I'm sure many people not in the Wine and Cheese Alliance listen to Rob as a podcast. So I don't like this idea that, you know, it's the listeners, you know, against the people who are playing. I think that everybody listens to Rob as a podcast. You don't, you know, need to just be a fan. You can be a player as well. To get into the Wine and Cheese Alliance, honestly, I'm not somebody who's in charge of that. I have no say. I show up. I'm ready to be kicked out at any moment. I've never hosted a party. <laughs> who's um, in
0: charge got- of enrollment?
1: I mean, I've never, I think the people who are in charge of enrollment are the people who have the balls to bring non-survivors. And so I would say that that's Eliza and and Stephen maybe for non-survivors, but it's mostly Eliza. I feel like other people are, would be too nervous to bring somebody who wasn't actually on the show. Um, and so I think that the way you, could, uh, it's true. Actually, the only way to get into the Wine and Cheese Alliance, not be, having being on the show, is through Eliza. She holds the keys to the non-survivors on the Wine and Cheese. She is
0: the gatekeeper.
1: You know, that's how I ever saw some Winston comes. That's how I think Sarah Leshner was originally an Eliza friend. Eliza brings him in.
0: Okay. Uh, Trevor Chong wants to know who has had more airtime, Rick or Jeremiah?
1: Mm, come on. Uh, well, airtime speaking or non-speaking. I think there was a lot of shots of Rick's mustache around. <laughs> um, but I, Jeremiah, I don't know. Why ask me this? Because
0: you played, you played with Rick and you're an expert on this season.
1: Uh, exactly exactly i like the idea of being an expert um man i mean i jeremiah he's had confessionals right
0: uh he's had some
1: yeah he's had some
0: he was there okay i don't
1: know what to think about jeremiah
0: why do you think about jeremiah
1: i don't know what to think about him i'm i'm thankful that editors have made it so that i don't have to think about him
0: okay what was your take on morgan
1: Oh, I loved Morgan. You did? Morgan was my favorite. And I I mean, I'm probably totally wrong and she probably sucks and all this stuff. But Morgan, I just loved the first day, her lie. That just gave me permission to like her from then on because she did one strategic thing. Um, So I just, I found Morgan rootable. It's funny, this season, I'll say that as much as I'm loving the season, as much as I love the gameplay, I'm not necessarily in love with any of the characters. Um, And Morgan was my favorite favorite. You know, it's not like I'm really rooting for a person. I'm more rooting, you know, for, for the game bot version of them to make the moves that I want them to make. Um, but I thought Morgan was so funny. She was good TV. I'm like fascinated to know whether or not her boobs are real or not. And if you have any, you know, information on that i would love to know
2: me
0: or you're talking to the audience at large tweet the audience tweet at large okay
1: if you could tweet morgan find out and then tweet me i'm a little too nervous to ask her myself but no i, th- I thought morgan was <laughs> so funny and so much fun um I-, I like morgan yeah i wonder if the reason i'm not like in- totally in love with any characters i wonder if after you're on the show kind of the mystery of the characters is a way so you don't kind of have you fallen in love with any characters? Have you had a favorite character since you've been on the show?
0: Any present company excluded?
1: Present company excluded.
0: Um, you know i would say that it's definitely a different sort of thing where i think yeah. that when you watch the show as somebody who has not been on the show i think you can there's a mystique about the people yeah. that are like oh my god this person's so great and then of course like you see them up up you know you you yeah. get that they're more of, of a real person than, exactly and
1: they're drunk and they have the charity t-shirt on and everybody has the same t-shirt on and it's
0: that's well, a turn well, off, off for you like, everybody like, wearing the yeah. same t-shirt
1: Everybody, anybody <laughs> wearing any of these t-shirts.
0: All right. Especially, uh,
1: if they, especially if they took the time to like cut the sleeves, you know, you know, people that take the time to kind of fashion, you know, accessorize their t-shirts. Is that That's why you don't, they, you, you know, weren't
0: that. at the reality rally? You didn't want to wear the same t-shirt as everybody?
1: I couldn't decide if I had to have to wear the t-shirt or accessorize and both seem equally bad.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, I feel like that pretty much a lot of the questions, other questions I have for you are pretty much uh, different variations of things that we already discussed.
1: Sophie, I love you. How'd you get so awesome? Things yeah. like that. Uh, Mike yeah. Curry
0: wants to know, which flip was more disappointing? Cass flipping on the brains or Cochrane flipping on you in Reality Game Masters?
1: Cochrane flipping on me in Reality Game Masters. <laughs> By the way... I we, mean, you can tell that I'm just up for revenge. Imagine me against Cochran in, in um, Capture the Flag. He wouldn't
0: do Capture the Flag.
1: Oh, he'd do Capture the Flag. <laughs> oh! Oh my God, we should do a family feud. Cochrane would do family feud. Oh,
0: yeah, that would be fantastic to do family feud. We could do a
1: survivor style, like 100 survivors asked.
0: Yeah, what is, you know. Yeah, let's maybe let's do that because that, we can do that like on a Google Hangout or some in in some way. Like, uh, I think that we could do that on a smaller scale where I don't think we need to uh, go, you know, go crazy. I would I would love to do that. Um East Coast, West Coast Survivor Family Feud. Uh, yeah. All right. Let me think. Let me think about how to how to pull that off, because that might be a very, very fun thing to do. All right, Sophie, uh you fantastic job here. I think this was your best appearance.
1: Really? God, I, I feel like I talk too much. Sometimes I see you kind of sigh when I'm in the middle of saying something, and I can't decide if I should stop talking because you're annoyed, no. or if I should continue my thought because my thought's going to be like totally useless if I stop it right there.
0: No, no, that I, I'm not sighing. I'm not sighing. I might be, if anything, you know, I'm trying not, notes. trying not. Yeah, I'm going through my notes, and I'm trying not to step on you. Yeah. Yeah.
1: This is so much fun. I love this season. I just don't want it to end.
0: By the way, uh, as I brought up Reality Game Masters, just because, you know, that we continue to add new listeners, and there's probably a lot of people who listen to the podcast now that didn't listen to it a year ago when we did Reality Game Masters. If you want to check out Sophie, Stephen, and Cochran taking on the all stars of Big Brother in a very high stake game of risk, check out Sophie in realitygamemasters.com. Uh, and if you want to go, if you want to check out uh, Sophie and a bunch of other survivors, at the rob a podcast roast uh go to rob is website.com slash roast yeah go.
1: and my twitter account
0: and sophie's and at sophie g clark
1: <laughs> follow me on instagram actually i like likes on instagram yeah
0: you're a good instagrammer
1: it's my big th- i like instagramming you know, i never
0: I have like anything Facebook. good to instagram i never leave the house that's really why
1: Oh well, you have a baby. You I, should a picture of your baby. No, you no, say, no, I don't want to overdo it.
0: I don't want to overdo it with the baby. There's just like the people that overdo it with everything they eat. I feel like uh, once in a while you get a, you know, I'll, g- I'll give you some baby, but I'm not going yeah, to overdo bro, it.
1: I don't care what you have for lunch, but I care what your son is doing. Right, I, I want. I'll text
0: you pictures of the baby, but I'm not. Okay, but we're. Yeah. I'm not going to overdo it. A
1: little much, actually. No,
0: okay. All right, we'll keep it. We'll you know. keep it professional. Yeah. Okay. All right, Sophie, fantastic job. I'm sure you must be exhausted after working all day today, but uh, you didn't let it show in this podcast. Thanks. All right, Sophie, thank you so much and take care.
1: Thank you, Rob. Bye. All
0: right, everybody. There you have it. That was Sophie Clark back on Rob Has a Podcast. And I thought Sophie really did a fantastic job here today. She was so fired up. And that's what we like to hear when people come and speak to us on Rob Has a Podcast. So. Let me tell you about one of our sponsors for this episode of RHAP before we get to talking about the voicemails. With Mike Bloom and hearing what you guys had to say about the episode. For you fantasy baseball fans, you know that DraftKings.com is America's favorite way to play one-day fantasy sports. And on opening day of this baseball season, they awarded over a half a million dollars in cash prizes in one day. And there's way more to come at DraftKings.com. People are winning hundreds, thousands, and even a million bucks with DraftKings watching their favorite sport and playing some fantasy. Somebody won a hundred grand in their first time ever playing the game in one day. And that's why DraftKings is one day fantasy sports. That means no season long commitments, no being stuck with players. If you were Tony, you would love this because you could keep switching every single day. One day you pick up Wu and then another day you pick up Spencer and you could do whatever you want and get instant cash every day. So it's so easy Pick a team in 10 minutes and any sports fan can do it. So right now, you could play for free to win real cash. Enter ROB at DraftKings.com and get a free entry into another huge contest. I needed this. They're awarding over 400 grand in cash prizes, 400 grand. Free spots are going quick. So enter ROB now at DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. Okay, everybody, let's dive into taking some of your questions and talking about what the other survivors are saying on social media. And to join us today, he is a person who is a newcomer to the Survivor podcasting world, but we like to welcome our, any of our new neighbors onto the scene with open arms. Uh, here he is. He's the newest member of the Survivor Historians podcast. Here is Mr. Mike Bloom. Mike, how are you? I'm great, neighbor. How are you doing? (laughs) Doing very good. Uh, So, Mike, tell us a little bit about what the Survivor Historians is and how you ended up becoming the new co-host along with Mario Lanza and Jay Fisher.
2: Yeah, I'd love to. So, the Survivor Historians podcast, as you just mentioned, the key core people that founded it were Mario Lanza, who back in the early days of Survivor was probably the big Survivor writer. He wrote several columns every week for a website called Survivor Central, which is now defunct. He wrote several all-star stories. Nowadays, he's probably most popular for writing uh, a, a list called The Funny 115. He wrote two different versions of various funny moments throughout the, uh, the first 20 seasons of Survivor. Uh, Jay Fisher uh, and the one of the other founders, Paul Osseson, are from another Survivor podcast called The Tribe, but I don't want to speak... Much about competitors, but it's a very no, nice podcast.
0: <laughs> no, John. John Norton is a good a good friend of mine. You can talk about the tribe.
2: Yeah, it's it's a that's a really great podcast as well. Um, very close to yours in terms of they they tend to do weekly chats. They kind of have a seems like a rotating uh, repertory cast of podcasters to come on and talk. So they're really fun too. But basically, it was founded because Mario in particular was getting a lot of messages and a lot of feedback from his. Funny115 from a lot of newer Survivor fans who were saying, oh, wow, thanks for covering all these older seasons. It would be so cool to to wonder about what these seasons were like at the time that they aired. So Mario kind of came up with this idea to gather all these people together to podcast about namely what these early Survivor seasons were like. So it's kind of like a, a half recap podcast. Actually, I say like 80% recap and the last 20% is kind of like contextualizing everything. You know, what... Was the media saying at the time? What was the fan community saying at the time? How did that make you feel at the time? So it's, it's kind of going through Survivor's uh, history timeline, if you will. And right now uh, we're about to finish up Survivor All Stars. Um, I came on board because Paul, unfortunately, uh, he's he's pursuing an opportunity right now, which has taken him overseas, and his internet connection is not very reliable. So they uh, they had a contest for a, a temporary new historian, and I was. Very fortunate enough to have won the contests, and they have welcomed me with with open arms. And I think they've learned my name at this point. I can't I can't tell by now, but I think they've learned my name. But it's uh, it's been a fantastic experience thus far.
0: So this is similar to how Elizabeth Hasselbeck got on the View.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> so you are the new Elizabeth Hasselbeck.
2: Yep, yep, with uh, twice the amount of conservatism. So yeah. Well, there are no voicemails about Obama.
0: <laughs> well, I was very happy for you because you are also a uh, a longtime RHAP listener, so uh very happy to see uh, good things happening for you, Mike.
2: That, I, I really appreciate that, Rob. And it's honestly I am ecstatic right now. It has uh been on my bucket list for the past couple of years to appear on this. Like you said, I've been I've been listening to your podcast since the season finale of South Pacific. So it's about uh two and a half years right now. I've only recently been an active member and on the forums but it's a really fantastic community you have going here and i am thrilled to talk about this episode and i am thrilled to talk about survivor especially on a podcast i admire as much as this one all right
0: well mike uh now that the sucking of the kneecaps is over then <laughs> i am uh very excited that that your story will t- get more people to come out as rhap fans and become even more active in the community
2: exactly it's a. Uh, it's a real inspirational tearjerker <laughs> you are. of our story.
0: <laughs> You're an inspiration to everybody. Okay. So um, let's just, uh, before we get into some of these voicemails, let me get your take real quick on the our top story at this hour and Tony Gate and whether or not you like this move that Tony pulled at final nine.
2: So it's really interesting because I, at first glance, I was much more in, if we're going off of the know-it-alls last night where Steven was very anti this move and you were very pro this move. I was very much in the Steven camp in the first like couple of hours after it, uh, after it happened just because, again, it's the same kind of story that we talked about with Cass a couple weeks ago, which is why would you flip on this secure alliance and piss these people off if you're joining a side that potentially has a bunch of enemies in there and people who would do a better job and could potentially win the game uh, more than you would. But thinking about it more, I actually... I actually kind of feel like if Tony wanted to make the move, this was actually the time to do it. Uh, And the big indicator for me actually was that conversation right before Tribal Council when he's talking to Trish, and Trish is basically giving him a lot of pushback about, you know, this isn't the time to do it, we shouldn't be doing it now. And I think in Tony's mind that that tells him two things. Uh, First off, it tells him that this is going to be the only time he's going to have five votes locked up to do this. You know, if he gets rid of Tasha's, if he gets rid of Jeremiah or Spencer this round, then he's only going to have himself, Wu, and the other two in the minority alliance to go against these other four. And that's a much more risky situation for four. The minority might not even vote with him then. So this was the only time that he really had those five votes because Trish was definitely not going to be voting with him. And also, I mean, if you're someone as... Par- freakishly paranoid as Tony. You need to think about if you've been with this woman since day one, and then she's all she's been cuddling up to this other guy for the long time. She convinces you to start siding with him, and then you try to tell her, okay, we're going to get rid of LJ now, and she says, no, 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 we can't do that. That's kind of planting a seed in his head of maybe Trish doesn't want to take me to the end, you know? Maybe she's kind of fallen under LJ's magical spell as... So many viewers have.
0: Yeah. It's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. What I'm concerned about is like, you know, next week, if Tony gets voted out, then everybody says, ah, see, this was the wrong move for him to make. But I don't think it's necessarily as cut and dry as that because, you know, in my conversation with LJ this morning where LJ was saying, yeah, he probably was going to go after Tony when it got down to seven. You know, if he would have gotten voted off at eight instead of seven, it's like, you know, that's pretty much the same thing in my book. He sort of just took out the guy who was the ultimate contender, this person who was the had the best chance to win. And now this thing is wide open. And I don't see why... He, you can't say Tony has as good of a chance to win as any other player who's still in the game. I don't think I, he has a great chance yeah. to win, but I feel like he has as good of a chance as anybody that's still there.
2: I mean, the big question is, at this point, who really does have a big chance to win? I mean, honestly, if I feel like every season storytelling has a theme, and no offense to any of these current castaways on this season, but I feel like the, se- this, the theme of this season is how not to play Survivor. Just because we've seen these past couple seasons, we've seen the Cochrans and the Tysons, and even a little bit of Denise and a lot of Kim Spradlin has been a lot of just seeing these players play almost completely perfect games. They're making moves at the right time. They're saying what they need to say. They have the idols and they're playing them correctly. This is the first season in such a long time where people are making so many mistakes and it is so much fun to watch. I absolutely love it. The cool thing to me is that it seems like nearly all the boots this season, everyone who's gotten voted off, you've seen at least one big mistake that they've made in their boot episode that kind of, when they get voted out, you think, oh, this is something that could have contributed to their boot. LJ, for example, they showed him standing up Tasha. Now, in retrospect, could that have been a big thing that could have saved LJ? LJ. Probably not, but it's one of those things that shows, okay, this is one of the reasons why LJ went home, and I'm I'm very appreciative of it, especially in this day and age when it's all about, let's split the votes, let's play idols, all that fun stuff.
0: You know, for me, just in thinking about this, like, Tony's best move would have been To not get crazy paranoid, not make LJ want to vote him out, and gone further into the game with this truce uh, with LJ as the two alpha males in this season. But the problem is that Tony is Tony, and just by the nature of being Tony the way he acts will make LJ want to vote him off. So if we can't control the fact that he is Tony, then I feel like this is the only move that he could make because he is Tony. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, I think that absolutely makes sense. It's, I mean, you could arguably say the same thing about Cass almost. I, I know you guys were talking about it last week in terms of whether she should flip or not. I mean, it's kind of like, if this is the game you're going to play, you, you should just commit to it and keep playing it. If Tony wants to be this chaos-causing chaos, chaos causing tornado, then all right, wear that hat and then just keep playing and playing and see how it gets it to the end. Uh, especially, I mean, I think that fact that LJ was playing to get five votes together to vote him out next round is a huge, huge key thing that thinks, you know, Tony may have a few loose screws here and there, but he does actually have a pretty good read on things and a pretty good read on the game. And it, it it goes to show, it definitely says something that every time he's voted in a tribal council this season, he's been in the majority. And he's the only person that can say that so far.
0: Oh, uh, Jeff Pittman is writing this down. This is big points for Tony. Best yeah. player of the season.
2: Put it in, put it in.
0: Yeah, I feel like, you know, if Tony is the guy that always has to be making big moves and then LJ sort of comes away with it, he gets blindsided and is like, uh, like, oh, man, Tony, like, uh, why'd you vote me out? And Tony sort of has to come away like this, the parable of the scorpion and the crocodile and mm-hmm. say, you know, what do you expect? I'm Tony. I got to do it. I got to vote you off. I got to make a big move. I love I love big moves, bro.
2: I, I couldn't help but notice that your Tony sounds like uh, he's related to Gina Marie from Big Brother.
0: No, G well, let me just say I, I gotta try to remember, but uh, Gina Marie, I think, was more like uh, it's 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 uh, I, I don't want to do it and have it be exactly the same. I need to listen to a tape of Gina Marie back, uh, like uh, yeah. you, yeah, it's it's similar. Use a bunch of scrubs. Uh, the dialogue is much different.
2: Yeah, uh, I, I I just hope Tony doesn't get blind. I hope he does get a uh, vote a vote doesn't go his way just so we can call everyone a bunch of cockroaches the next
0: episode <laughs> yeah okay so uh, let's start to get into some of these uh voicemails a lot of talk you guys had a lot of questions about tony and about this move of course naturally after this episode so let's start with uh daniel ladiano and uh he has a question he wants to know about A lot of people had this similar question about a potential reunion for the members of the Brains tribe. So here's Daniel's question.
2: Okay, Rob,
0: you're right. There's not going to be any Pagonging, and I'm pretty happy about it. So here's my question. After Jatia was voted out, the three Brains pretty much said they're going to be a final three, and then they pretty much have to get rid of both tribes. So here's my question. After this shakeup, do you think they're going to be back together now and try to accomplish this final three alliance? Or they cannot really trust each other after what Cass did? Thank you. Okay, so a lot of people were asking me very similar questions, Mike. Of do you now that LJ is gone, do you see the brains tribe of Tasha and Spencer and Cass reuniting here? Do you think that's in the cards? Or do you think that Cass is sort of you know kicked to the curb after what she did to Spencer and Tasha?
2: I think the big X factor in that whole three way relationship is the one between Cass and Spencer. I think it's very indicative that after. Cass betrayed the new Apario lines. That Spencer was the one to really speak up against it, and Tasha just kind of, uh, you know, mums the word with Tasha. Because I, I, I think I think Cass and Tasha had a pretty solid relationship to begin with, but I feel like the Spencer Cass one was much more fickle. So it's going to depend on you know Spencer and Tasha may think they now have this really nice five with Wu and Tony and Jeremiah. Do they think that it's going to be sturdy enough to, to be able to just take it to the end, or are they going to want to bring Cass in? That's the big question. And I think it really depends on how Spencer feels. As much as I don't want to say that Spencer's the figurehead of the Alliance, in the end, you want to kind of be in a, an alliance with people that you get along with and people that you know you can rely on. Cass really hasn't proved herself as someone that you can rely on, necessarily.
0: So what do you think is the majority voting block next week?
2: I think that's really tough to say because I think that Tony and Wu are going to are gonna try to pull Trish in again uh, just because I don't think Tony made the move to spite Trish. I don't think he made the move to betray Trish. And as we can kind of see from the previews, Trish and Wu, I mean, they're going out to get food together. They must be getting along at least somewhat. So with those three together... The big question is: Are they going to try to to mend fences? Will the minority try to bring in? Well, you know, will they bring in Jeffra? Will they bring in? Uh, will they bring in Cass? I would, I would say that maybe this this new alliance sticks together for maybe one more week. But then I think, in Tony's opinion, Spencer and Jeremiah are two big threats, and even even Tasha are just two big threats to be in an, an alliance with. And as we can see from this episode, once Tony starts thinking about threats for the end, he immediately, his brain starts going and he's ready to get him out one, two, three. So I think there's a, it's a momentary respite for these three in the minority, but I, I think it's going to be very short-lived.
0: So who do you think is Tony's target coming into the next episode?
2: I would say his target is probably... Mm, it's tough, because if you look at him from a typical alpha male perspective, his target is probably going to be somebody like Spencer or Jeremiah. But again, this is Tony. We have no idea what he's thinking. He might want to target Cass. He might think that, oh, here's this big threat she's been flipping on alliances. I'm the only one that can flip on alliances. And he might get rid of her to claim his spot is like the only one that can flip. So I would, I would say Cass for the wild card. Maybe maybe Jeremiah. I feel like he wants to work with Spencer for a little bit longer, uh, just to have a, some control over him. I have a question for you. Do you think? Do you think Tony and all of his paranoid thinking? Do you think he he believes that Spencer has an idol?
0: I don't think so. Don't think I, I think so? he would be talking about it. I don't think that Tony really plays anything close to the vest. I think that we, for the most part, I think we tend to always know exactly what Tony's thinking.
2: That's true. That's true. It, it just it makes me wonder just because it seems like he's a character that talks and is thinking nonstop 24 seven, that it it would be weird that the thought of Spencer having an idol didn't cross his mind at least once. And you know, it it might be, it could, that could have been a reason why he joined up with them too. Better to have an idol on your side than to try to have one of your opponents flush it out. And then you're left with nothing.
0: I'm going to go back to Tony for a second. If Tony gets voted out next week, what are the, give me the five or the, you know, the five or four or five, five people that vote for Tony next week if he gets voted out.
2: So I would say definitely Jeffra. Uh, Jeffra, as as she's a sweet, she is a sweetheart, but she kind of has that Whitney Duncan complex, it seems of like, if you cross her, look out. So I think she you're he,
0: disgusting.
2: Yeah, you're you disgust disgusting. Her. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, she'll go make out with Keith in the woods. So um, so I think Jeffra would definitely vote against Tony. Um, I think Trish to me, I'm very I'm very high on Trish. I think Trish is a very rational player. I'm hoping that Trish will be able to see this as a sign that this is a man to not be trusted, so she could be a possible vote. And then maybe it could be this minority alliance. Like the Brains tribe on the new Apari, they kind of realize that they're in the middle of these two boring factions. I don't think this Solana alliance is going to is going to mend very well back together. So it, if if I could uh, if I could think of a few of the majority alliance to get rid of Tony next week, it would probably be Jeffra, Cass, the three Tasha Spencer, Jeremiah and maybe Trish for a 6. So it, it maybe maybe be a 6-2 vote if Wu doesn't find out about it.
0: But you know what? Going back to that, is that a good move for Spencer, Tasha, and Jeremiah? Because don't, aren't you almost giving the balance of power back to the other side? Because couldn't then the following week that, um, couldn't you have it where Cass, Trish, Wu, and Jeffra come back together and then take out Spencer, Tasha, or Jeremiah?
2: Yeah, I guess that's a good point. I mean, it, the big question is, it comes down to this, this swing vote idea, which has been talked about countless times. You know, you had Christy in the Amazon, Dolly in Vanuatu, even Sarah this season. Of And it seemed the, the, the best thing to do is, if you have this factor that you know is kind of out of control, even if it's in your camp, if you have the numbers, you should be able to get rid of it. Just because uncertainty is the, is the biggest devil in the game of Survivor. So possibly Tony doing this might have put an even bigger target on his back because even though he's in another alliance and even though he lost jury votes, what's he told, what is he told all these, you know, all these people in the game is, oh, I can just flip off the drop of a hat. Cass, for what it's worth, even though she made this potentially disastrous move has decided to stick with the six, Tony, who screams promises to go to the top five during challenges, is now decided to flip on it only a week later. What does that say about his game? And what does that say about whether he's a good ally to the end? And will he stab you in the back before the promise was fulfilled?
0: All right. Well, on that note, let's take Michael's question here. He has a question about the jury. Here's Michael.
1: Hey, Robin, Mike, it's Michael here from the UK. Just wondering, do you actually honestly think that Cass or Tony now have a chance? Because they flipped way too early. As much as I love Spencer, it's not a chance that I think Cass or Tony will get a vote now, purely because they have alienated so many of the Diora members.
2: Just wondering your thoughts. Thank you. Love the show. Bye.
0: Okay, that's Michael. He wants to know, could Cass or Tony win the game based on the flips that they've made uh, with this jury. What's your take on that?
2: I would say, you know, it's unfortunate because it's kind of going off of survivor stereotypes, but I would say Tony has a a much bigger chance than Cass does. Um, It was discussed a little bit with the Moretz, but I feel like Tony does have a certain amount of charm, a certain amount of charisma to him, and everyone's seeing that he is in control of this alliance, and I feel like that's much more of a resume builder than... Cass, who kind of played this game of this, you know, older woman who just kind of has jumped from alliance to alliance, and I mean, I think the the, the different reasons behind the two of them flipping are pretty uh, are pretty substantial too. Tony, we got to see he's LJ is my biggest threat. He's the most like me. We need to get him out. Cass, it seemed a little even though she, Sarah was a threat, it seemed a little more superficial of like Sarah's getting all the attention. I want to get the attention. Let's vote Sarah out. And I think that's I think that's very indicative of how a jury might be able to see it. I haven't watched any of the Ponderosa videos, but I'm sure Sarah is not thinking, oh, Cass made that brilliant strategic move, whereas as you talked about in your interview with LJ, LJ seemed to kind of acknowledge the fact like, oh, I was blindsided, but I, I can understand why.
0: I, I definitely hear what you're saying. I don't think it's too early to say, especially in this particular season, that anybody is screwed with the jury Because there, I have a feeling this thing is going to flip so many times that who's going to even remember, you know, there's going to be Tony could screw a bunch of people over this time and then he could vote with those people next week. So I I don't think it's as cut and dry as, you know, you flipped at final 11, that's it, you're dead, Cass. Whereas at the time, I did feel like it was that way. But I think this thing's going to be so fluid the whole way through. There's nothing that says that Cass might not vote with Spencer and Tasha next week. So I think you can undo some of the damage that's been done. I know from Survivor Amazon, I knew when I screwed over Heidi and Jenna and Alex and voted against them, when I had the opportunity to vote out Christy, I was like, ooh, I could win Heidi and Jenna back over. And that's, that's two people that are mad at me. So I think it's definitely too far away to say anybody definitely can't win the game, even though it looks unlikely.
2: Exactly. I mean, last season, you could arguably say that after the merge vote, people could say like, oh, Tyson probably lost the game with that vote. And then he went ahead to kind of build those relationships and make the right moves and he coasted to a win. So I definitely think that the first few votes are, are not very indicative of uh, how the end may go, especially in a season like this. I mean, let's remember in Survivor Philippines, the, the final three alliance didn't form until the final seven. I feel like these types of seasons, the endgame does not crystallize at all until the last few episodes of the season. And that's when things really get substantial.
0: Mike you are a survivor historian can you tell me does whether or not there was a tribe swap factor into bitter juries where people like okay I'm not going to vote for anybody from that tribe because I didn't get to play with them for instance in a survivor South Pacific where all of the Savaii players all voted in a voting block against coach or where none of the heroes voted for uh, Parvati or or, or where all the heroes voted for Sandra as a voting block. Do you think that not having a tribe swap in those seasons had anything to do with all the people from a certain tribe voting as a block?
2: I could definitely see that. Uh, I personally am a big fan of tribe swap just because I feel like you, you cast these fantastic people, you separate them in two tribes, and then you keep them separated for half the game, and then you bring them together. I want to see them mix and match. And as we see, for, as we've seen the past few seasons, actually switches have been really interesting in terms of what new alliances form or what old alliances stick together. I definitely think if you're living in a setting for 18, 21 days where you're seeing the same people all the time, then you come into this news game where the other half of the people you ha- you've never worked with, who are you instinctively going to trust? You're going to trust the people that you know, even if they might be a little hard to control, or if they have negative qualities, you know how they function, you know, you probably know how they're going to vote either way. So you want to stick with those people, you don't want to reach out and say at that, that point in the game and say, Oh, yes, complete strangers who I've only seen across the challenge way for the past three weeks, let's let's work together and see what happens. I feel like that that does not happen nearly as much. And so I was really excited last season when even in a Redemption Island season, they were still able to kind of mix it up because that allowed new relationships and new alliances to form.
0: Yeah. All right, let's take another question and let's keep, stay on Tony. Here is a question uh, from Shane Gallagher.
1: Hey Rob, it's Shane from Dublin. Huge fan. My question is about Tony. Do you think Tony is just so into making a big move and making a splash
0: in the game instead of worrying about if he could actually win and having a good chance of winning? It seems to me like he's just trying to build his resume full of moves, moves, but these moves make no sense at all as taking out LJ. I'd love to hear what your thoughts are. Thanks, Mike, I've talked about this a lot on Big Brother Canada with Arlie. Do you think that Tony is really just playing for all-stars here? Is he just into the sizzle uh, more than the stake? Is he just trying to be, hog? He is team TV. Is he just ho- trying to hog the TV show and he doesn't really care if he wins or not?
2: Well, part of me definitely feels like he knows when he sits down. He's like, I'm going to give a good confessional today. You, like, I? he's one of those people that you know he's sitting down there saying like, oh, I'm just telling you pure gold, producers. But speaking on behalf of his gameplay, I mean, I feel like every episode he's, I don't know. I, I would say he's more and more turning into Russell. But then again, if you look at Russell's game in Samoa, he actually had a core group that he stuck with. He actually never really jumped from group to group until the very end. Heroes versus villains. A little bit uh but even then it's it's weird to say but russell actually might have had a more stable gameplay than tony has and i i definitely think tony is all about making the big moves it's one of the unfortunate faults of survivor players nowadays or it's all about like let's let's make moments let's make big big blindsides happen and uh it, it kind of goes back to i think they were having the strap was having a conversation before where they at a tribal council, where they were talking about, like, if I was sitting at home and I, I would want to do this because I think it would be entertaining. It's it, people are starting to play the meta game, which is uh, which is interesting and it's also a, a little a little detrimental to the game, just because if people are making decisions based on entertainment and not so much on strategy, that's awesome for viewers. I think one of the reasons why this season has been so amazingly received is because those moves, granted, these incorrect moves are being made, but you know, that that could be a million dollar check that you just flushed down the toilet because you wanted to have an interesting episode of Survivor.
0: Well Mike, you brought up Russell Hance and I I want to skip ahead a little bit to the social media here. Oh, no. and so earlier today, Russell Hance tweeted Everyone is trying to compare this guy, Tony Vlachos, to me. Please stop. Rewatch season 19 and 20 if you have any doubts. Hashtag Team Russell. So let's just talk about this real quick. And of course, Russell has the three seasons. Tony hasn't even completed one season. But could we compare and contrast Russell Hance and Tony just as a player?
2: Yeah, so... Like I said, I feel like Russell. Even though Russell has one of the most scorched earth strategies ever, which is kind of, for lack of a better term, horrifically stupid in a game that's all about social relationships. But again, he seemed to have the much more stable strategy. He got his alliance together, especially in season nineteen. He was he was down eight to four, but he had his four. He made the moves when he could to pull people over, and he ended up, for the most part, except for Brett winning those immunities, he was able to take that alliance to the end. Now, despite the fact that he was taunting and making people miserable on the way out, he that's actually pretty, pretty solid, pretty straightforward gameplay. Tony, I feel like, is playing a kind of a more uh, remedial, mixed-up version of Russell's game in that he's. Taking Russell's individual moves, but he's basically playing them three days at a time. You know, he'll wake up on day nineteen and think like, "Well, I don't want I don't want LJ in my alliance anymore." Today, I'm going to get rid of LJ. Whereas, yes, Russell would do that, but then he would listen to his allies, and his allies would pretty much be able to convince him to say, "No, Russell, you don't you don't want to do that right now." Uh, Tony seems to kind of tune a lot of his allies out, or think he has enough control over them that he'll be able to kind of steamrolled through them. So it is, I never thought these words would escape my mouth, but I feel like Russell is played a much more stable, much more stable game than, than Tony has this season. Even well, in, even in Russell's first season,
0: you know, I, I think that this is sort of like a apples to oranges to compare Tony here to Russell in Samoa, because in Samoa, Russell was on the bottom and basically they had this group of four and they had their backs against the walls and they weren't in the majority position. However, however, um, Tony has been in the top position these last couple of weeks. Since cast flipped, he's in the majority alliance. So it's sort of like the opposite of what Russell had in Samoa. It's probably more similar to what Russell had in Survivor Heroes versus Villains. And so could you compare and contrast... Tony here to Russell in the majority group in Heroes versus Villains and I actually think it's somewhat similar and again I haven't watched Heroes versus Villains since it was on but what's the difference between what Tony is doing here and what Russell tries to do with he's going to try to get Candace to flip and then he's going to try to get Danielle DiLorenzo voted out and then he's eventually going to start working with Colby and Rupert our couldn't Colby and Rupert be almost exactly the same as what Russell has going on here with Spencer and Jeremiah?
2: Oh, I completely agree with that. I think it's interesting because one of the reasons Russell Russell voted out Danielle DiLorenzo because she was getting too close to Parvity and he didn't want that. Whereas Tony decided to vote out LJ because LJ was just a threat to win. I think the key difference in those two games is that Russell believed that no matter what the situation was he could win no matter what it didn't matter if this person went home tomorrow or the next day or the next round or even went to the final 3 with him in his mind no matter what he had the million dollar check whereas tony is kind of gauging it of getting rid of his threats of making sure that he makes it the next step so he's able to get rid of the person that could probably beat him or vote him off in the end uh again russell's game really differed from Samoa in that I feel like in Samoa he was playing it very cautiously with getting rid of those threats especially in the beginning and getting rid of people like John Fincher and getting rid of people like Jason but if you look at heroes versus villains he just you know sure I'll vote off Candace who just flipped with me sure I'll get rid of my other ally because I'm gonna make it to the end And know even with them um, even if I'm with Colby and Rupert even if I'm with Sandra and Jerry no one's gonna no one's gonna give them any votes I'm gonna win all the votes so it's I think to, in that in that regard, I think Tony is playing a little bit of a smarter end game than Russell is.
0: I think Tony may also have a better social game than Russell. Than Russell, I think oh, yeah. that Tony could get more votes in the end. I think that Russell is more cutthroat and more dangerous. So, I mean, it really depends on what you value in your survivor player. They're not exactly the same, and they do have some similarities. But you know, I feel like uh, in I feel like that people could come away from getting voted out by Tony and still have a chance to vote for him in the end, whereas Russell really did scorch the earth behind him, where once Russell voted you out, it was sort of over.
2: Yeah, exactly. I think Tony did a really good job of building really strong relationships, especially with Trish. Uh, I think it definitely says something that Russell's relationship with Poverty was more like Poverty was like, I'll... I'm going to be in an alliance with him because I'm scared of what he's going to do if I'm not. Whereas compared to Trish, where it's like a very, very tight bond, a very tight trust that was built over from the course of this first day. Tony, has he seems like actually a very, you know, amiable guy. He seems like a fun guy to talk to. Granted, he's been lying about his job the whole time. But um, he seems like a really fun guy to talk to. And he's, he's building relationships. Again, it's very indicative that LJ, someone who he got pretty close to over the past two weeks, said like, "Okay, I can understand why that why that happened. That's a that's a good move. It's it's the perfect thing you want a jury member to say as soon as you vote them out."
0: Okay, let's talk more about Tony. Again, most of the questions today are about Tony. (laughs) Here's a question from Ben.
2: Hey guys, this is Ben from Tennessee. I just have a quick question for you: Is Tony a genius? A mad genius? i just a madman. I really can't figure it out. Thanks. All
0: right, Tony, genius, mad genius, or madman? And I assume we're not talking like Don Draper.
2: Oh, I could. I want to. I want to see him in an ad agency.
0: <laughs> it's not a watch. It's it's not a timepiece. It's a conversation piece. Okay. Listen. Listen. <laughs>
2: um, okay. Uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna split the difference and say mad genius. Um, just because I feel like the mad genius has the right idea they're just going about it in the craziest way like they have the the mad genius typically has the best intentions they just have very unorthodox ways of going about them and i think tony has definitely been making like he's he's the moves he's been making have been in a line with his strategy like he voted out cliff who's he's been targeting since the beginning that makes sense so i think he's been going about it it's just the way he's doing it with his constant paranoia and his Little tricks of I'm going to make LJ say he's targeting Wu so I can bring it up later as evidence to vote out LJ, which is just like completely ridiculous. You can just tell someone that just tell someone that LJ is targeting Wu. You don't need to like convince him to say the words that give you the permission to break. (laughs) Maybe
0: Tony was wearing a wire.
2: (laughs) <laughs> That's true. He was working on behalf of the on behalf of the survivor producers to be able to So just to be clear, you're gonna vote off Woo, right? <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> um all right,
0: here's another question about Tony, and this comes to us from Colin.
2: Hi Rob, Colin from Montreal here. I wondered where you think Tony ranks in the pantheon of best natural survivor players in history. Though his moves may not always make sense to you and I. He's always very good at executing exactly what he wants. So I wondered who other Survivors, not their gameplay exactly, but how natural they were at the game that he compares to. And do you think when he comes back from season, the refinement will lead him to be one of the best of all time? Thanks.
0: Okay, now I'm a little thrown off here by what... Colin means by natural survivors. So could you help me sort of understand what this term is? Like, for instance, like what, Heidi Strobel, would she be like a natural survivor?
2: <laughs> uh, no, I, I, would, I guess by his definition, a natural survivor is someone who kind of plays the game effortlessly in that every single episode, you'll see a confession of them saying, well, this week I think that such and such should go home. And you see them carry out the motions exactly so that person goes home with the exact votes that they wanted. No stray votes, no alliance members gone wrong. It goes exactly their way every single time. I think that's what he's talking okay. about.
0: Because I was under the impression that he was saying like Kat used to be a natural survivor and now she's <laughs> not a natural survivor anymore.
2: Tracy Hughes-Wolf from Micronesia never was a natural survivor.
0: <laughs> what about Morgan?
2: Oh, uh... I mean, well, I'd like to believe she's a natural survivor, but that might just be my uh, my uh, building up a, a fantasy making. in my head. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so,
0: what do you think? Does is Tony one of the great all time natural <laughs> survivor players? <laughs> in that he is just like the game comes easily to
2: him. Mm, it's pff, I don't know because you look at you look at these types of things like the LJ vote, which he was able to, to have work and things like that. And you say like, Oh, he's yes. Everything's coming his way, but let's look at some of these other votes. Let's look at the fact that he yelled top five baby, which in effect defected his number one Alliance member to the other Alliance. Had it not been for Trish who Tony vehemently said, no, you don't need, you don't need to talk to Cass. I got Sarah. Don't worry. If, if it hadn't been for Trish, you know, Jeffro would have gone home, and he pretty much would have been screwed because I don't. I don't think the Apari Alliance would have split open as much as the Solana Alliance would. So I think there are a couple of of things that didn't really go his way. Uh, I, I mean, in Race of Memory, the big player who made every single vote go her way perfectly was Kim Spradlin. Mm-hmm. She ruled over that game with an iron fist, just because. You look at uh, a vote as pivotal as the one where they voted out Jay Byers, where it was basically she had to both convince Troy Zan to play the idol, but also get enough votes to get Jay voted out while swinging over Tarzan. It was like a very complicated maneuver that she was able to pull off. But I think very few, you know, you have your Kim Spradlin, Brian Heineck was was very, very close to doing this. I would say there might be a couple of votes that might not necessarily have gone his way particularly, but he did a very good job at it. Uh, I mean, by pure definition of strategy, Sandra would probably do very well, just because if she's living by the as long as it ain't me strategy, she's theoretically winning every single tribal council. Uh, but I would, I would say Tony has, He's despite the fact that his most recent big flashy move was a good move, he's he's made moves that have gone his way, and he's made moves that necessarily have not worked for him.
0: I guess I think to use Colin's term, the natural survivor, I kind of feel like this is sort of like if this was like sports or like the NFL draft, it's like who are the guys that it's like they have all of the tools but are sort of raw and not really polished. And I kind of feel like, you know, maybe if you sent Tony to survivor school, like the force is strong with him, but he doesn't know how to use it yet.
2: Exactly. If you... If, if he was on the Villains tribe in Survivor Heroes versus Villains, it seems like that was the magical tribe where everyone learned from Boston Rob how to win the game. Yeah. He, I think he he, he could apologize his game. It's, the question about if he returned, how he would do is really intriguing to me just because I feel like he might be one of the people where his reputation precedes him in that he's going to get brought back and people might think like, oh, I don't know if I want to be in an alliance with that guy. Russell benefited from the fact that even though he was on the villains' tribe, nobody had really seen his season, so nobody really knew how he was, was going to play. You bring back somebody like Tony, where everyone knows what he's going to do and how like and you know how fickle he might be with his strategic maneuvers, and that might not be someone you want to ally with since the beginning.
0: Well, I'll tell you what Tony needs if he comes back. He needs to be on a tribe with Russell.
2: Mm. Oh man, that would be. I mean, honestly, to, I, I think survivors done fantastically in the ratings, but if they really want a ratings push, forget Survivor Russell versus Brandon. Survivor Russell versus Tony or on the same tribe as Tony would be like, the first three episodes alone would be be gold in terms of entertainment just to see these two just go around each other in circles in terms of strategic maneuvering.
0: Yeah, because if they could just try to work together for a little bit, you know it would go down in flames, but it would actually really, really benefit both of them.
2: Yeah, oh, absolutely. It's sort of like... You need to. Uh, a lot of survivors like to uh, join up with like minded individuals just because it's really easy to communicate with them. If these guys both have the same kind of mindset in terms of playing the game, then uh, they're a match made in heaven. Yeah.
0: Okay, let's go to uh, our friend Fuggy Bootenling. And he has a question. Uh, and maybe as a survivor historian, you could help answer this. Uh, if survivor is not as hard as it used to be.
2: Hi, Rob. This is Fuggy Bootenling here. I just finished
0: watching LJ's Ponderosa video, and like Sarah, his reaction to getting the boot was to start… working out. You know, there's been a long-standing debate about whether Survivor has gotten easier over the years, but is this definitive proof? They're working out after Survivor? You know, I doubt your first reaction to getting the boot in either season would have been to hit your own chin-up bar. Your thoughts on this? Thanks. Yeah, I did have the same takeaway. I watched LJ's Ponderosa video this morning and LJ's like, wow, I'm down to like 180. Like, I, well, I got to keep it off. And then he's like, and now I'm going to go. Uh, I was going to send it to Stephen Fishback because I thought he might have some uh, good use for this video of <laughs> oh. LJ like doing crunches and like uh, doing like uh, all of these, all of these different mountain climbers and all these different things. And so I did think that was odd. And I also watched Morgan's Ponderosa video last week, and it didn't seem like she even lost that much weight. And so I'm wondering if the survivors might be getting more food than they used to Back in the day, now, I always have been under the impression that they get less food than we got because sometimes I don't like it when my contemporaries come on here and are like, uh, you know, back in our day, Survivor was harder than it is now. And I'm like, okay, whatever, you know, you're just being like, uh, you know, an old geezer. But do you think there's anything to this? Like, why are these Survivors getting voted out and then going back to P90X the next day?
2: Well, first of all, I have to say that I'm very surprised that of all the uh – the voicemails we had across the pond the person named fuggy Bootlings was american that just really threw me off to start off no
0: he's canadian i believe
2: oh okay so north the northern pond i guess yes uh so i think it uh it speaks more to the the cha- let's let's look at the challenges i think the challenges might be a big indicator just because Back in the days it seemed like these they are, even in the individual phases there were pretty physical challenges like I remember in Marquesas I think it was the final maybe the final nine there was a reward challenge where they had to dive under and basically they did a bunch of musical chairs with diving under and bringing up shells and the final round was like, okay, dive under and pick up this rock and carry this rock to the shore about you know like 30 30 feet from the shore and the first one to get back wins and I think if you compare that to our individual challenges so far have been stand on a, you know, stand on a board in the middle of the ocean, stand with something wedged against your head, and then memory game. I think it, it's, uh, and, the, and also the fact that they had gone to an up camp that was already set up, the shelter was already built. I feel like these people are working a little bit less and they're relaxing a little bit more. So, I mean, the question is, does the uh does the energy they exert match the ones from the older seasons? I would I would personally say no because if, I mean if you look at this most recent episode, if you look at the trajectory of somebody like Spencer, for example, so he was in camp and he was probably working, but he probably wasn't doing as much. He went to a reward challenge where they basically just had to throw sandbags around and not really do much. Then they went to a spa. Where they get pampered and just sit on their asses all day and get their, uh, you know, get mannies and petties. Get their manny petty on, yeah. Exactly. And then they go to a challenge where they're just standing and dropping tiles in. I mean, that's that's very different from your typical older survivor seasons where it was all about like, all right, you got to chop the firewood, then I have to do this challenge where I have to run up these stairs a hundred times. Then I have to do some more work and then... We get a little bit of food, you know, we get some, a couple scoops of rice, but then it's this other challenge where we have to swim across this creek bed a few times. Uh, I mean, I think it, it speaks to the, the diversity of challenges that they've had in uh, the, these most recent seasons. You know, they, they want to they go out of the water a little bit, but as a result, you kind of have these, these physical guys aren't really being uh, used to their athletic potential because they're in these types of challenges where it's memory,
0: Yeah, I don't think that Survivor has gotten easier or that they're necessarily getting more food. But I do think that this is something that bears watching now. If the next person who comes out of the game now is going to be going into doing like an Iron Man at Ponderosa, then we're going to (laughs) start we're going to start watching this a little more closely. Here's a question from Ron. He wants to know about the future of Survivor, not the not the past like you study, Mike. Hi, Rob and Mike. It's Ron from Toronto. When I first started watching this show back in 2000, I never imagined we would get to Survivor Season 28. And now I actually think it's possible we will eventually get to Survivor Season 50. Do you agree or disagree? All right, Mike. What is your take on this that Ron is very interested to know about if we will get to Survivor 50? We're at Survivor 28 right now, more than halfway there. Uh, so what do you think? If basically, if Survivor was going to end at Survivor 50 and we were going to chart this on a 39-day Survivor season, we will have just made the merge. We are now dateable, okay? It's about oh, day, day 20 or so, okay? So tell me, do, do, how far do you think this thing will go?
2: I'm going to say it gets to... It's, it could be one of two things. Either they go out on a high note and they end it next next year at season 30. You know, like Richard talked about in his Reality Rally interviews, there have been rumors of this legend season and that could be a cool way to end it. Or they might go out at, at something like, I don't know, like 36 or 40. I I doubt they'll be going for 50. That's that's another 12 years of Survivor. Uh, yeah, another 12 years of Survivor. No, uh, but. 26. No, 13 years of Survivor. Excuse me. That's I mean, that's that's pretty ridiculous. I mean, The Simpsons has been on for like 20 something years and they're still they're still going at it, but I feel like that's a very different situation. I don't know how many different iterations of this game we can do for another 22 seasons. It's uh it's a little it's it's ridiculous.
0: <laughs> I mean, for Survivor to stay on the air, I mean, is it would it be that much that crazy i mean how long has wheel of fortune or jeopardy been on the air i mean what is the difference between a game show like that and a game show like survivor if people you know continue to love it and you know the ratings have really held up well and the show creatively i feel like is as good as it's ever been i mean i was thinking about this today over the past year for basically from if you went back in time you know, from one year from one year ago or even a year ago in a week through now, the survivor that have we've seen over the last 52 weeks has been some of the best survivor that there's ever been going back to from the merge in Karamoan through the, that season, through blood versus water, through the first half of this season that we've had so far. I mean, I think you'd be hard pressed to come up with another better 365 days of survivor.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree with that. Personally, I would say that the best 365 days of Survivor were the combined seasons of uh, Amazon and Pearl Islands. But well, that's just cool, the, obviously. the story inside obviously. of Obviously, yes. Game. yes. Um, I, I agree with you. I will say that the one key difference between something like Jeopardy and something like Wheel of Fortune are that those those shows have, I, I believe, I don't know my game show history well, but I believe they've always been syndicated. Whereas I feel like Survivor has, has always functioned as this primetime event. I don't know if it can still function as a prime time event for the next 11 years. I finally did my math correctly. Um, I mean, if they do it, if they scale it back to become more of a a small time syndicated thing, that could be really interesting as well. Because again, something that Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy has over Survivor is that they have different contestants every day. You know, I don't don't know if in a syndicated view, people will want to really be tuning in every single day or every single week to see what castaways were going on.
0: I think Survivor still has a lot of years left in it. I think that maybe the one thing that could potentially change is maybe they do it once a year instead of twice a year and then it's a bigger event, almost kind of like Big Brother is just on once in the summer. I think if you if you had two Big Brother seasons a year on TV, I think people would become even more tired of it by the end. So, I feel like a once a year Survivor might end up like I think you would have it scaled back to be, you know, the Survivor, you know, Survivor 20 Seventeen or whatever, and then just do it one one time a year, and have it be a bigger event than to keep doing it twice a year for the next thirteen years.
2: Yeah, and I, they might do something like they did, kind of with the the Amazing Race, uh, about halfway through its its uh, season schedule thus far. Kind of had to scale things back in terms of budgeting. They had less tasks. They they went to less countries, less continents. I think I think Survivor could definitely hit a point like that where. I mean, despite the fact that they're, this is now the fourth time when they're in the Philippines, they might think like, okay, maybe we'll just... I think you've joked about it before that they should just rent out this island, Survivor Island. Maybe I'm not go, joking. I, I think, yeah, I think it's like a, a perfectly legitimate idea. I think if they just rent it out and they do... You go back to Survivor Island every year, as long as you don't have returning players who already know the landscape, that could be something that works well to their potential and it helps them maintain a budget to keep producing it. I, <laughs> I totally agree. I think one of the reasons why... Idol did so well, and one of the reasons why it got diluted by shows like the X Factor is because it was a one once a year big deal thing. I think Survivor, in its in its later years when it's sagging in the ratings again, might benefit from something like that. Yeah, we'll see.
0: I think Survivor is very healthy, and I think it's coming off a very very strong year, both creatively and ratings wise. Mm-hmm. Um, some are saying it's the RHAP bump. <laughs>
2: Well, you know, I think it doesn't hurt that you substantially upped your coverage, and it just so happens that this is a fantastic season. I see, you know, I'm a, I'm an economics major like Spencer. I see the correlation there.
0: <laughs> sure, sure. Um, okay, let's go. Let's take another question about Tony. This is from Amy, and she has a question about Tony last night.
1: Hi, Robin, Mike. This is Amy and Melvin. I'd like to know, do you think Tony was speaking figuratively when he said he could have nearly pooped himself after he saw his name written down? Because I looked and I think there was definitely a suspicious stain in that general vicinity after the after the vote. What do you think? Thanks, bye.
0: All right, Mike. It's an age old question. Okay, so <laughs> Tony After the after the tribal council was talking about how he was he was very upset about how he had gotten uh, votes and whether it was a compliment or whether it was something that was a insult to him. And here is what Tony had to say when Jeff turned over that card and he said, Tony, I probably pooped on myself. Okay. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Well, can we just talk about his choice of preposition? It wasn't that he pooped himself. It's he pooped on himself.
0: himself. One more time. Here we go. When Jeff turned over that card and he said, Tony, I probably
2: pooped on myself. (laughs)
0: Okay. So Tony (laughs) pooped on himself. Now, Mike, did you happen to, the, the editors gave us a shot here of Tony walking in reverse. Did you happen to get a good look at Tony's posterior?
2: I wish I didn't, but unfortunately I did Yes.
0: Okay. Well, I actually captured this in a screenshot and I will post this on Rob has a website. And if we're going to, I know you're a survivor historian and you certainly remember well the question mm-hmm. of Tarzan in Survivor, <laughs> Survivor One World of whether it was uh, dirt or not. Yeah, dirt, dirt or poop, <laughs> dirt or poop. No, so I will post this on the show page on robiswebsite What do you think, Mike? Did Tony literally or figuratively poop on himself at Tribal Council?
2: Well, I guess I have to. I have to go back to the footage from Morgan's Tribal Council just to see. I mean. I mean I don't study behavioral science of pooping but I think there's definitely a facial expression that kind of gives it away so I think we have to go we'd have to go back to the tapes and study frame by frame if Tony does make the poop face. I, for one, am very surprised that they did not make a hashtag out of that.
0: (laughs) You know, they seem to have stayed away from the scatological in the hashtags. I noticed on The Amazing Race this season when Brendan called himself, I'm the poop master. And that seemed like a perfect hashtag for the same network that is giving us like uh world's biggest wedgie and things like of that nature. Yeah. So I felt like poop master was a natural and they did not seem to go there. So it feels like there's a conscious decision from CBS to stay away from the scatological hashtags.
2: So maybe I guess a future note to future survivor players. If you don't want, if you don't want hashtags named after what you say, just talk about poop in every single confessional. That's right.
0: That's right. I wonder if during so One world, they would have done it. It's dirt hashtag.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's dirt question it's mark. Dirt. No,
0: no question mark in a hashtag.
2: Oh, no. Yeah. That's, oh, that's shameful. So what
0: is your official opinion? Uh, did Tony poop on himself during Tribal Council?
2: I am going to say I'm going to be in the literal camp because I believe that Tony is willing to stir up the game and become unpredictable at no cost, even if that means soiling himself at Tribal Council.
0: Okay, I am going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say that Tony did not poop on himself okay
2: all right so maybe we can start hashtags of team poop and team no poop
0: <laughs> all right well we'll we'll see uh team np or team p um yeah exactly <laughs> okay well because i'm looking at this picture this photo again and again i will i'll post it for you for you guys to look at and you guys you guys tell me your official now i am a a new parent okay So I am dealing with a lot of diapers, and a lot of times these diapers, uh, that there is some seepage, but it looks to me like there is a second stain that's also on Tony's pants uh, on the right-hand side. So I'm wondering if he was sitting in a puddle, perhaps,
2: Are you, you're like CSI, like hardcore investigating this, these poop stains. Well, that's why I'm going to post the
0: picture. So you guys, you guys tell me. And I also from in Survivor the Amazon, okay, that there was an incident that happened where I believe one of my tribe mates, uh, did actually, uh, poop on themselves and we, it was very noticeable. And I think that we might have other confessionals from other people like I think other people would be walking further away from Tony. If this if what we if the worst case scenario that we could envision actually did happen, I think that Tony would have cleared out that camp. I don't think anybody would oh, be yeah. talking to Tony about the vote.
2: Well, we saw that the first shot of the episode was him putting up the torches and all of them falling over. Maybe all the, the torches fainted from uh, the smell of his I, poop. Don't
0: so. I don't know i don't know so i will say I, I say i got believe me i only talk about this because i got a lot of questions about this okay if it was just one question i i wouldn't i wouldn't have touched it but just like woo's shoes in the challenge i got easily a dozen questions about this
2: all right let's uh, it's a it's the faq of this episode. people wanted
0: to know all right i got one more voicemail uh this one comes to us this is from ej not lj okay All right, here we go. This is uh, EJ, and he has a question about splitting the votes.
2: Hey, Rob. This is EJ, not LJ, calling from Massachusetts. And I have a question about splitting the vote.
0: Do you believe that it gives a wild card too much power in the game when the majority alliance decides to split the vote? We've seen twice already this season that it's given power to Jeremiah and Tony when they were wavering back and forth of which side to go with Love to hear your thoughts. Thanks. Bye. All right, Mike. What's your take on splitting the votes? Because I talked about it last night, and I said I don't really love that play. I feel like it, it doesn't work out an- too many times for my taste. Uh, but I actually got some more information about this today. So according to Hint on the survivor on the rob has a podcast uh comment board for last night's survivor know-it-alls hint is saying that according to the survivor wiki the votes have been split 31 times in survivor history and what would you imagine the success rate of splitting the votes would be how many times out of 31 do you feel like splitting the votes worked out
2: uh i'm gonna go with a nice round number and say oh that is exactly
0: right did you did you read this
2: no, wow, I, did, I had no That's idea. That's why you're a
0: survivor historian. So 25 times it's worked, six times it has not worked. So it's an 80% clip. So I felt like last night, I said that I thought it was at best 50-50, but I was actually, as usual, way off.
2: I I mean, I think the whole idea of splitting the votes is, again, it's all contextual. Uh, you look at situations like Karamoan, when they split the votes between... Malcolm and uh Malcolm and Reynolds, I think, at the final nine uh, when Malcolm eventually got voted out, I thought that was a fine move, just because those six stuck together no matter what. They knew Malcolm was the next person to get out. Whereas if you look in a situation like this, where everyone like you have four people in your alliance saying let's vote out Spencer, and you have two people saying let's vote out LJ, you know their their motivations might not line up. If if you have a group that says this is the plan, we know what's going to happen, then, yeah, go go through with it. I think it makes for fine gameplay, not not good TV. It's, uh, it's really, it's unfortunately become a little boring because the producers introduced the hidden immunity idol as a way to kind of, you know, mess with the game and have people play new strategies, but then it almost immediately got broken because people said, oh, if we just split the votes, then no matter what, our target will go home.
0: Yeah, so this, the splitting of the vote... It is a good strategy. I think it really comes down to how tight your alliance is. If you have a tight alliance, yeah. then you should go ahead and split the votes. I'll retract what I said last night. I would, if I was on a season, I would split the votes if I felt really comfortable about the alliance. But if I was on an unshaky alliance or if there was somebody, if I had like a chaos cast in my alliance, I would not be up for splitting the votes.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. I think <laughs> I think it's also really funny that the idea of splitting votes First came up with the wild card character of Cowboy in Cook Islands. Cowboy n- not many people know this or remember this, but Cowboy was the first to ever suggest splitting the votes in a plan he called Plan Voodoo for one reason or another, but it was it was exactly that let's split the votes so that even if someone uses an idol, the next person will go home and they were like, "No, we don't need to do that." And then next season it actually got used. But yes, it was it was started by an old Asian
0: man. Okay, well, that's very good, cowboy. So, yeah. so much from Survivor uh, Cook Islands. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And this season actually uh, sounds like that, Cagayans.
2: Yeah, although I like I liked uh, Malcolm's pronunciation of Cagayan <laughs> H- in honor of, in honor of the, uh, the, the Passover, Passover for all of our week.
0: Passover uh, celebrators. Okay, so. Let's jump into some of the Survivor social media. I don't really have an inappropriate comment other than Tony's uh, inappropriate comment, but I don't know if it counts if it was inappropriate in the context. It wasn't an out-of-context inappropriate comment. It was a in-context inappropriate comment. Should we count that or not?
2: I mean, no. I think the fact that he literally meant it, I don't think that's I, I think it's all about innuendos okay. and uh, uh, yeah, un- unintentional innuendos. And Tony l- talking about pooping on himself is not is is the lowest form of in- innuendo there is. All right.
0: So let's get into some of what the survivors were saying on social media. Let's start with the players from this past season. Garrett Adelstein the worst, tw- the worst name on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just gonna, j- I'm just gonna jam it in there, even if it doesn't fit. Uh, yeah. uh, Garrett Adelsty with no N. He tweeted: six weeks of f- full intensity uh, nutritionally and in the gym initiated just in time for the Survivor Live finale. Does Garrett need to be getting in better shape for the Survivor finale?
2: I am really afraid about what's going to happen. Like, he, is he going to look like Christian Bale from The Machinist? This, like, just emaciated skeleton of a man at the finale? I'm, I am don't know.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Why does he need to be in such good
2: shape? I think he's. I think he's still probably working through the pain. I think he was obviously very pained when he was voted out the first time. And now that he's had America laughing at him for upwards of eight or nine weeks now, I think he's... I think he's, instead of going to the tub of ice cream, he's just worked out more and more and more. So maybe they're just more deep-seated issues that Mr. Adelstein needs to deal with. <laughs>
0: Adelstein. Okay. Uh, Miss Foxy Tasha, uh, she tweeted, uh, I love me some at Spencer BGM. So it's a real love fest still going on with the brains. Uh, uh, yeah. Chaos.
2: I, do, I, I, I was going to say, I, I, do, I love me some at Spencer BGM as well. Oh. Well, I mean, I have to, again, I have to... us. Economics majors have to stick together, but I actually do. I do really like his game. He's actually he remind not to like go completely off track, but he. I know you guys were talking about what what Castaway dispenser remind you of, and he actually reminds me a lot of a uh, Danny Boatwright from Guatemala. Really, yeah, just in that he's kind of he's a much more outspoken version. In that Danny was very was able to play kind of under the radar game, uh, and she was able to make, make the right relationships. But Danny at, at Danny at the final six is much like Spencer now in terms of she was like, all right, I just need to make it one more round. Let me just talk to who I need to talk to and let them kind of take each other out. And that's the way Spencer is kind of playing now at the beginning. He was obviously a bit more of a braggart. He was a bit more outspoken about things, even as soon as a couple weeks ago. But I think, He's got the athleticism that she does, and I think he's able, he's slowly working his way through the social game and able to realize, oh, if I let these big dogs take each other out, that's going to buy me a couple more days, a couple more days of leeway. So that's that's my personal comparison. I uh, take, it, take with it what you will. You know,
0: I've been generally pro-Spencer as the season has gone on, and I feel like a number of my guests have as well. But I'm starting to feel a little pushback on the Spencer train. Let me read you a comment oh. from, this is from Del Foscono, who says, Spencer, Spencer, Spencer. All you guys talk about is Spencer. The show keeps shoving him down our throats, and I go to your podcast hoping for satisfying analysis of the game, but 90% of the time, you talk about freaking Spencer. I don't hate the dude, but at this point, it's tiring to hear his name in every sentence. I still really like your podcast. It's just that, ugh, Spencer. Spencer. And I feel like a number of people now, maybe this is a very vocal minority. And so I'm getting a lot of comments from people that they're saying we're too much on Spencer and Spencer is overrated. Mike, how do you, do you feel that the Spencer coverage this season has been fair
2: and balanced? Um, I would say it's been fair and balanced compared to the amount of coverage that he's been getting. I think the amount of coverage he's been getting has been kind of fair as well in that He's, a, he's an interesting character. The show wants to cover interesting characters. He, I know he's gotten a lot of comparisons to Malcolm, and I can definitely see that. Him and Malcolm are both these young, athletic, likable superfans. And that's extremely hard to come by. As a superfan myself, y- y- most of us are like Cochran's. You know? So to have these these young, athletic, likable superfans on the show is, is, a, is definitely a blessing. And I think Spencer provides great sound bites and he's found himself in really interesting situations. So I think I think the coverage is completely fine. The show gives us what the show gives us. We're gonna take the sound bites that we've been given and and cover them how uh, how we can.
0: Yeah. So we can only talk about what happens on the show. And if they're giving us a lot of Spencer, we're gonna talk about a lot of Spencer. This week we talk more about Tony. You know, yeah, sometimes exactly. we talk one week we talked all about Cass. So we gotta talk about who the spotlight is on.
2: Yeah. And I think that, again, that speaks a lot to the season as opposed to the past few seasons when every week it's it's all about the show itself is all about what's what's to, uh, what's Tyson going to do this week? What's Kim Spradling going to do this week? Uh, this is a, a much more of an open case of a season.
0: OK. All right. So let's go to uh, at Cass Nick Q. She tweeted hashtag chaos cast greater than hashtag stood up so those
2: are fighting words so was she was she talking about like the battle of the hashtag yeah she says
0: her hashtag is better than tasha's hashtag
2: oh so is cast challenging the pr department of cbs that's that's interesting i
0: think she's just saying that the, the hashtag that she came up with herself is better than the hashtag they came up with for tasha
2: so maybe she's lobbying for a job at cbs then writing Writing hashtags
0: hashtags. (laughs) okay uh at spencer bgm tweeted that the spa day occurred on august 2nd which was a hashtag friday we 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 were so excited is (laughs) is is spencer a big uh rebecca black fan uh i
2: i think he is i mean the question is did they get up at seven AM in the morning? I don't I don't think they had any cereal, so he might not be living up to that part. But now I just now I just imagine them in a car singing along. Spencer has braces for some reason. Uh that's a magical image. Thank you, Spencer, for providing that magical image to me. Why
0: is Spencer telling us this?
2: I, I guess you know he's part of he's part of my generation. We're obsessed with those types of videos. I'm I'm, I'm surprised he didn't make a keyboard cat reference.
0: <laughs> Dad, maybe yeah, he didn't say that LJ got uh, played off last
2: night. Exactly. Oh, uh, okay. You just you just inspired another video. Now please, someone make a video of LJ getting voted out and then keyboard cat playing them off. <laughs> All
0: right. Okay. This is from more tweets from last night. This is from at Tony Vlachos. He said, some call it paranoia. I call it cautious. Either way, without it, you can't survive on Survivor. Hashtag Team TV. Hashtag. It's the name of the game. Hashtag guards
2: up. Guards up. He's the one that made the move. Why is his guard up? Because his guard
0: guard was up against somebody making a move on him. It was a preemptive strike. Uh,
2: Uh, or maybe he's trying to encourage other people like hey put your god's up i'm here yeah
0: um alexis maxwell tweeted spencer is just one of tony's balls
2: <laughs> i saw that i i'm confused i'm confused as to why it's a question and also what that refers to like is he one of the balls that he's juggling or is he yeah something well, else
0: <laughs> well uh, tony said at the reward challenge i believe he said that Look, I got a lot of balls in the air that I'm juggling. You know, Spencer, he's just one of my balls right now, and so um, there you go. That was uh, yeah. That was Tony's take on uh, that, how Spencer is one of his balls.
2: Well, at least he's next to something huge. <laughs> that's, that's right.
0: This is huge, Spencer. I needed this. He's one Ooh. of my balls. Ooh.
2: <laughs> Somebody added to that inappropriate Ooh. comment video now. <laughs> yeah, you want to pull it out? What's that going to prove? That you are telling the truth. And what's that gonna get me? What- okay.
0: Wanna pull it out? There you go. All right.
2: It's a compliment. It's a compliment. No, it's
0: a compliment. Not like uh you don't deserve to be here. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> LJ tweeted to Tasha, Well Shit, that's where being loyal bites one in the ass. And Foxy Tasha wrote back, uh, trust me, I know. Much love to you though. Hashtag Survivor La Familia.
2: Did you see her uh her secret scene this week? Which one? So it's a it's a scene where she basically where Spencer apparently told her the plan to vote out LJ and it's basically her she gives LJ a big in your face and it's just so sassy and I miss that part of Tasha for so long and now it's finally it's back.
0: back. Should she be foxy Tasha or sassy Tasha?
2: How about Faxy, Faxy? Tasha? Faxy. it's a combination. Of I, I foxy think people and are going to be like
0: sending her documents.
2: <laughs> did they, they still use fax machines anywhere? i don't know
0: they, anybody who does is going to be hitting up tasha
2: faxy tasha yeah.
0: they're going to be uh you know sending her inappropriate uh faxes
2: <laughs> sending her pictures of whether tony pooped himself
0: yeah. okay so let me bring in now some of the former survivors okay let me start here with the woman who I will be discussing your voicemails with next week on Rob has a podcast. The greatest survivor tweeter of all time, Miss Eliza Orleans.
2: Ah, uh, yes.
0: Yes, it's go, it's going to happen. Okay. So let me bring you the very best of Eliza this past week. Uh, Eliza she uh, was was very upset with a couple of the players this week as you would expect okay uh, so she said getting hashtag stood up on Survivor is pretty brutal sorry Tasha that sucks
2: you know what LJ should have made a stick and left it in his place <laughs> yep.
0: yes absolutely so <laughs> that, that would have been perfect okay yeah Eliza also tweeted, armpits, eek, it's called laser hair removal, Tasha.
2: <laughs>
0: wow. Yeah.
2: That's a low blow.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. And then she also tweeted, uh, no one wants to date someone who doesn't make the merge. Well, I've made the merge twice, uh, Kat Ederson, and I am still single.
2: Yeah, but didn't you say that she she's allowed to date any pre-merge guys by your rules, so she can... She should just start plundering them.
0: Yeah. I Well, I think it's that she's saying that she's, how come she's single if she made the merge twice?
2: Yeah. No, I guess I personally feel like it's a two-way street, you know? If she wants to go after some pre-merge men, she should be able to do that. Okay,
0: that, Hey, whatever floats her boat.
2: Yeah, exactly. Okay.
0: She also tweeted, not only are you not smart enough to solve the puzzle, but not even smart enough to know you didn't solve it. Who is she talking about?
2: She's talking about LJ. Um, the last round when it was... Him, him versus Tasha, and Jeff's like, LJ, how do you feel? He's like, feel really confident. I got this. And Tasha's like, no, I am I feel just as confident as well. I think she's probably referring to the fact that LJ was so supremely confident, but then got it completely wrong.
0: Okay. Alright, so, uh, yeah, Eliza, I'm surprised, is anti-LJ. Yeah,
2: I mean guess it makes sense whatever reminds her of uh chris doherty and <laughs> i guess so she brings back All right, that well memory, i can't so. wait for
0: next week um get your start getting your voicemails ready now for next week uh, with eliza uh Stephen fishback tweeted uh this could be the worst day of my life hashtag lj hashtag survivor
2: has he re- has he recovered Do- know of his status <laughs> i
0: think he's okay uh okay, rupert okay. tweeted i know you're into survivor all stars these days rupert tweeted yes the best thing rob amber and jenna and i did was stay a solid four and never broke ranks if he were smart he'd keep the six in
2: line i mean i guess I guess that's true rupert i uh i really want rupert to listen to the survivor historians that's like a dream of mine so rupert if you're listening please listen to the podcast and listen to Mario Lanza do an impression of you because it's it, him and Rob have very, have competing impressions and it's fantastic. But I guess speaking about the Alliance, I mean, it makes sense. They did stick together as, as the four, but that was also because they were left in a very, you know, it was a very different situation. They had never really, it was another situation of, a, of no switches. They had not interacted, with Lex or Sheanne or Kathy, and at that point, Boston Rob was controlling the alliance, and he was just like, "Yeah, let's get rid of them. They're our biggest threats right now." So it's a very, it's a very different situation. If Rupert was in the big alliance of six, I think he would have stuck with it. But I don't know if, if a, a strategist like Boston Rob would have necessarily said like, "Okay, let's let's get rid of the three and move on."
0: And then Rupert apparently then tweeted, uh, "Keep trying, Josh." Uh, hashtag Survivor. <laughs> To which our own Laura Holtwasser, uh replied, who is Josh? What is what is Rupert talking about? Uh, I'm, I guess. Did, did, I is, to... Does
2: he mean Tosh? Does he think her name is Josh? Maybe he combined Tasha with Jeff. <laughs> maybe Jeff may try trying. Josh props. <laughs> the
0: Jeffra and Tasha alliance is Josh, according to Rupert?
2: Oh, he's so he's making up like romance monikers now. I guess so.
0: <laughs> uh, there you go. Uh, so then uh, lastly, uh, Denise Stapley tweeted to me, hmm, at Rob sister, you know, Miss Foxy Tasha, not so invisible tonight. Yay, estrogen, hashtag survivor, hashtag uh, memory mush. And then Tasha tweeted, uh, nobody puts baby in a corner. So yeah, Denise, <laughs> in the Reality Rally podcast that I did when I went down to the Reality Rally, she was tweeting about or she was talking to me in that podcast about how she thought Tasha was going to win But I said that she was rather invisible this past week. But this was a good sign for Tasha's reemergence. And if you want to hear that podcast, that's also available on website.com. I talked to Richard Hatch uh, and Denise. Uh, We also hear from Kat and Tina and Katie Collins. So a couple more survivors along the way in that podcast as well.
2: Yeah, I was really happy to hear from Tasha just because I'm afraid with a lot of modern survivor editing these days, you have cases like Reynolds and Karamoan where like, They get a lot of cool stories and a lot of big airtime pre-merge, but then they get to the merge and you hear absolutely nothing from them. So I was really scared just because Tasha is also a really smart person and she gives fantastic confessionals. So I was absolutely thrilled to see her re-emerge in prime form last night.
0: All right. Well, Mike, thank you so much for uh, coming on here with me and talking about last night's show.
2: Thanks. Thank you so much for having me on. I I had a blast and I am so excited for this season and how how excited i am so excited no would you say that you are so so
0: so excited
2: yep yep uh partying we're gonna be partying partying after every single week i i'm sorry i thought you were prompting a rupert impression no
0: no (laughs) (laughs) i I wanted to know if if you were like spencer
2: oh yeah we 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 so excited we as in the the fan community
0: woo 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 so excited
2: I did see a fun tweet last night where uh, um, where when Wu talked about how he was uh, he was dreaming about the rewarding, and then he got snapped back to reality. And uh, one of my one of my podcast mates, Jay Fisher, tweeted, uh, "Wu Wu goes back to reality. Wu, there goes gravity," <laughs> which, which is an, also a nice precursor for next week.
0: Yeah, that's right. Um, just real quick, we didn't talk about this. Wu Medivac next week.
2: Oh, I'm I'm really not sure. I'm actually. Uh, it's, uh, looking at that for the like 0.2 seconds I want I want to get like a medical professional like uh, Sophie or one of the codys on it because it looks like he's falling into foliage so I'm hoping I'm hoping he's okay because I also am very pro woo I think he's such a freaking fantastic character and I love his confessional his confessional style but uh, it's it's not looking too great I'm predicting that he won't get medevaced, but he's gonna be a major he won't be as strong in challenges as he used to be, which might work against him and it might work for him. We'll have hopefully to see. Hopefully he
0: can go into Sonic the Hedgehog mode and turn into that ball right before he hits the ground.
2: <laughs> well, ho- I hopefully I hope he didn't lose any rings when he fell out of the <laughs> oh, tree. No.
0: I hope not. All
2: right, Mike, uh, you can hear Mike
0: on the Survivor Historians podcast. Do you guys have a regular release schedule?
2: Uh, we're going to be recording the last part of All Stars uh, in the next couple weeks, and that should hopefully be released soon. You can listen to the other... Uh, two parts we recorded for All-Stars, plus all the previous ones that they've recorded on funny115.com slash podcast, I believe. It's either podcasts or podcasts. Yeah. But uh, go to that and you can listen to it. They're uh, they're long, but they're good. And you can also follow me on Twitter. I am uh, at a Mike Bloom type. It's, uh, it's a little bit of a saucy name but all the other ones were taken so at a mike bloom type.
0: Okay, so follow Mike Bloom and listen to him on the Survivor Historians podcast. They're long and they they are very good. They're very interesting to listen to. If I could just give one as, as somebody who, who maybe uh have some knowledge in this area, just get a URL that says survivorhistorians.com, whatever you want to call it and just uh that you stop it with these slashes and uh .htm and uh just get a URL for this show.
2: I'm gonna I'm gonna pass your uh, pass your memo onto the big bosses and see how they feel. I am just a temp. It's so I might... twelve dollars. <laughs> I don't know. We, we're we're low budget, Rob. I don't know. We can't <laughs> we can't skimp out. We don't have patrons.
0: <laughs> all right, all right. You guys could all chip in four bucks between the three of you.
2: That's true. That's true. I gotta. I, I'm. You can. You have to be my Don Draper. You have to tell me the marketing plan so I can go to these guys <laughs> with that.
0: Yeah. Be- <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh all right. So uh Mike, thank you so much and uh we'll talk to you again soon. All right, everybody, there you have it. That was Mike Bloom here on Rob Has a Podcast. Another marathon edition, Bogos. I think this one is actually, when it all is said and done, I think this is actually going to be even longer than last week's podcast. So another record-setting podcast here on Survivor On Because, hey, the big moves keep happening. We got a lot to talk about every single week. And I feel like there's still things that we could talk about, which just probably means that this is a horribly inefficient show if we're getting three hours in and still have things that we didn't get to talk about from a 42-minute episode of a TV show. Anyway, so so much uh, that's coming up in this next week. Of course, we have our all of our coverage of Survivor plus Big Brother Canada. We've got some big Big Brother Canada shows that are coming up this upcoming week and that, which that game is also getting very 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 crazy. It has been an outstanding season of Big Brother Canada as well. Plus all of our coverage of Amazing Race is going on. Something that if you were following our Game of Thrones, of course, great season of Game of Thrones happening right now as well. Josh Wigler and I did our fake season of Game of Thrones All-Star Survivor. We have one of our listeners, Elizabeth Wilder, has started writing fan fiction of our season of Game of Thrones Survivor. I think there's going to be one of her columns up every week on Fridays, so you can check that out on RobHasAWebsite.com. In addition to all of our daily bloggers who are blogging about the Survivor season every single day, you can also, if you're a Game of Thrones fan, check out our coverage of Game of of Thrones on recaps.com where Josh Wigler and I are breaking down every episode, almost like Survivor Know-It-Alls, of Game of Thrones live after the episodes at 10.15 p.m. Eastern, 7.15 p.m. Pacific. I want to thank everybody who has become a patron of Rob as a Podcast over the past week, or... Anytime time in the past. We're getting ready for our first ever Rob Has a Patron cast. I think that's going to be on Tuesday, April 29th. I think Tuesday night tends to be a good night for me to try to do those. So I'll have more information on that next week. Also, thanks to everybody who made the updates on their account to change over from a per episode system to the monthly system, because I think that was a lot less confusing for everybody who did that. So thank you guys very much. Of course, if you want to get more information on the benefits of becoming one of the patrons of this show, you can go to RobHasAWebsite.com slash patron. Okay, if you made it this far into the show, I got to say, I I think Mike had an interesting idea. What I want you to do to tell me if you made it this far, give me either one of two hashtags. Go back and look at that picture on RobHasAWebsite.com. If you are Team P and you think that Tony... Literally did have the accident at Tribal Council when he heard his name. Go ahead. You tweet me hashtag Team P. If you think if you are NP and you think that no, that did not happen. Tweet me Team NP. So this is also not only just you made it this far, but you're also telling me your opinion on this. If you're Team P or Team NP. And of course, you can watch that picture at Rob has a website. Dot com. Okay, I think that's going to about do it for this show. We've got a very, very fun show coming up next week, and we're going to have a guest. I don't want to say who it is yet because we're still uh, working on some stuff, but I think it's going to be somebody that's live. And then, of course, we're going to go into your voicemails with Eliza next Thursday. So big, big show. Thanks so much to you guys. Having a blast covering this season. Hope you are, too. All the best, everybody. Have a great weekend. Bye.